the giant monsters podcast where the hosts truly believe it's a beautiful day the beaches are open and everyone's having a wonderful time amity as you know means friendship i'm rob i'm kyle and i'm cameron (laughs) (laughs) and today we're talking about jaws jaws (laughs) uh yeah and this should be coming out on fourth of july so hey Uh, you know, that's thematically appropriate. Actually, there's a lot of weirdly appropriate for modern day America vibes in this one, huh? Oh boy. Boy, Sure. Seems like nothing's changed in 50 years. Back up, doesn't it? (laughs) Yeah. I feel like, uh, you know, the mayor character, uh, when we get to him is, uh, yeah, a little topical. Good golly. Uh, But, uh, anyway, (laughs) uh, very, very excited to talk about this movie. I've wanted to talk about this movie for a while, but we were like, holding off on it and then we you know we were like no let's do let's do shark month or jump the shark month <laughs> yeah uh, um and uh it's gonna be it's 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 gonna be a fun episode for sure yeah um i think that I'm, i I think i can safely say that we all walked away from this movie po- very very positive yeah mm-hmm. uh, i think it's gonna time. be spoilers it's gonna be very uh very uh uh uh, uh what, what was the movie uh uh not relic what was it Fifty-four. Um, ritual. No! ritual the ritual yeah oh yeah ritual us walking away from ritual all being like man <laughs> man yeah because that one i i didn't know what to expect i knew the monster <laughs> design was sick but i didn't think i would enjoy it quite that much mm, yeah <laughs> but before we do that uh i do have some news uh little bite-sized pieces of news today um <laughs> so hey. like get the, it? like the shark get it get it i got it uh, good because oh sharks how many bite. shark how many shark puns are we gonna have by the end of this episode you know what you leave those uh, to me <laughs> Yeah, um, okay. I'm an egg. I'm an egg pun guy, so that's unfortunately <laughs> can't do oh. eggs this episode. Actually, there is a you could make an egg Ooh. joke next episode. To be fair, and very true. Sea, there is a reference to eggs. Um, anyway, um, so very very quick news today. Um, so we recorded last Friday. It is now Wednesday, the next <laughs> week. So not nothing has really had a chance to drop, except of course we know that the the Monarch Show has started its production in some way, shape, or form already. Mm-hmm. Uh, which we knew about was starting up on Monday. So good stuff there. Uh, so what we've got from the monitor though, is we have some character, um, uh, some character discussions, uh, or not character discussions. What's it called? Casting calls. Casting That's calls. The there we go. Yes. Uh, so uh, we have a few, I'm just going to read through them really quick. We have a character named Caroline. A character is supposed to be uh Portrayed as female, mid fifties, Japanese American. Uh, Carolyn is uh, uh, is a sport uh, force spiritually. She is born and raised in East Bay. Sarcastic yet warm. Kate's mom and Hiroshi's first wife in San Francisco. Well, guys, uh, that's me. Oh yeah, <laughs> there it is. <laughs> that's how we always describe you. You know, everybody. They're like, "What's Cameron like?" Well, he's a fifty Japanese. He's a fifty year old <laughs> Japanese American mother of two. <laughs> 
All right, and then uh, next one is another series regular uh, character. Is, uh, her name is Kate, uh, or at least on the call sheet. Uh, character is portrayed as a female, late 20s to 30s, another Japanese-American. I'm really liking that they're bringing in a lot of Japanese-Americans for the mm -hmm. show that's about Godzilla. That's yeah. really cool. Uh, thoughtful but wary with haunted eyes that survey the world at a distance with good reason because Kate has suffered severe personal and professional trauma from which she has yet to make a full recovery, though at times she does see have Gallo's sense of humor. Mm. Uh, former school teacher Kate travels to Japan on a uh, to, or to settle family affairs. She speaks English with an American accent and a limited amount of Japanese that she learned from her father. Instead, Kate uncovers a family secret, yet another trauma that disrupts her life even further. Recognizing that running from her problems isn't going to provide the answer she needs to heal herself, Kate reluctantly embarks on a quest to learn about her family, an adventure that will present her with challenges she never imagined. In the face of these extraordinary obstacles, Kate under uh, is understandably angry and volatile, but muscles forward in the face of chaos and begins to reconnect with others. Um, so uh, I'm going to guess that the trauma that she occurred in her young age is probably the Muto's melting down oh, uh, yeah. the plants, uh, Ooh, yep. And then I'm guessing the modern trauma is either a loss during the event of San Francisco or yeah. uh, something. But uh, but yeah, like there, she's going to probably be ch chasing down the Just do connection Brody, between Jinjira. Brody yeah. again, you know? Brody yeah, pretty much, too. yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, uh, that's that's her character. Uh, we've got another character, May. Characters portrayed as females, twenty in black. Uh, British ex uh, Pat. I don't ex Pat. I don't know. Special forces. Maybe. Oh. Yeah. Uh, and quick witted with a strong sense of self in a turbulent world where not much is certain, including her true identity. Her roguish exterior hides a vulnerable uh, part of May that few get to see in order to protect them as well as herself. May has a knack for seeing past the bullshit in people and doesn't hold back when calling them on it. She is also incredibly intelligent, problem solving, and, and is second nature to her. Whether oh. it be deciphering a code or finding the loophole, May is always three steps ahead of anyone, everyone around her. Um, then, then we got some uh, other quick ones. Uh, Hiroshi. Uh, we've got a five-year-old Hiroshi, which obviously we're going to see him growing up. Mm -hmm. uh, characters portrayed as male, six to eight, uh, played uh, or to play a, a five-year-old Japanese or Japanese American. Yeah. Uh, once again, I think it's going to be tied to Janjira. Um, and then we've got a unannounced guest star. Um, this, whenever a role is written like this, usually that means it is a uh, like probably it's probably going to be uh, uh, Sarah Zawa. I'm guessing. I'm, I'm, I would I would put money that it's going to be Sarah Zawa showing up. Um, whenever it's like that on a cast sheet, that usually means that like they know who's playing that role, and it's a role that has already been cast in something else. So he's it's probably going to be Sarah Zawa showing up. Mm. Um, then uh, we've got another uh, series regular, Kintaro. Character is portrayed as male, 20s, Japanese, youthful and fiery, to the extent that he sometimes lacks patience or manners. He is mm. highly intelligent, yet his wide-ranging curi curiosity may have prevented him from finding his niche because he's gone from being an engineer to a low-paid, low if talented, digital artist. Please uh, be Boncho Boy. <laughs> Kintaro's pro propensity to buck the system and follow his own path led him to be educated overseas. As a result, he speaks very good English with a Japanese accent. Mm. Uh, through a free spirit, uh, though a free spirit, Kintaro is fiercely loyal to family, having uh, returned from London, London to support his mother, with whom he now lives. In the series, Kintaro embarks on a quest to learn more about his uh, revered, uh, revered yet mysterious father, a journey mm. that will also help Kintaro become his own man. 
and unlock the full potential of a spirit gun, I assume. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Uh, yeah, Meshi's um, back again. Honestly, it doesn't give us a lot of details about the show, but it does give us some. Uh, it definitely has a very Japanese focus, like I was saying. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I really like think that that's, I mean, awesome. Uh, I mean, it's a, a, a like the monster versus kind of shied away from Japan for most of it, you know, with the exception of the beginning of 2014. So it's, it's really cool that it seems like we're going to kind of return back to kind of Godzilla's roots in a little way. Like, yeah. even if you know, his origin isn't, isn't directly tied to Japan in the, in the monster verse, uh, we're at least going to go back to it a little bit. Um, so that's great. I'm very excited. Uh, uh, once again, it's also really good for inclusivity that we're getting a lot of Japanese, uh, uh, American actors, uh, roles in such a high profile project. That's uh, that's always a good thing. Um, so, uh, look forward to more information on that stuff very, very soon. As I said, the production did start up, um, on Monday officially. Uh, so yeah, we should start getting some casting and stuff like that. Um, the biggest thing that, uh, is a, is a void in the distance for us (laughs) is that, uh, Comic-Con is coming up. Warner Brothers is going to Comic-Con, but they've said they're not Mm -hmm. doing any DC stuff at Comic-Con. So... The mm. Warner yeah, Brothers I imagine channel. they're not. <laughs> yeah. Can't We're going to show off the fl- uh. <laughs> So, yeah, so they're not doing anything uh, DC, which leaves them to do MonsterVerse stuff, like, very easily, uh, since they are still being the distributor for the MonsterVerse stuff. So we'll see. We'll see how that all works out. Uh, that's at the beginning of July. So we'll, we shall, we'll, we'll see what we have by the time we get to Deep Blue Sea at the end of this month. Um. And then we got a, the last thing we've got for today is a game announcement, which kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah. Oh yeah, it did. Um, so it is a monster rancher game. <laughs> mm-hmm. The last franchise I ever expected to hear about again. Amazing. That, yeah, that is Ultraman focused. So it's the ultra Kaiju monster rancher game, uh, in, oh, in guys, Japan. It's cute. In Japan, it's called Monster Farm. In America, it's called Monster Rancher. <laughs> um, but uh, so, okay, I do want to correct one thing because I thought it was a U.S. release confirmed, but it, what it is is it's an a, a English release confirmed. So what it should mean is uh, it should be easy to, you know, export that from mm. other countries to play it in the States, I believe. Let me actually check one, check one Did... thing. Am I crazy? Uh, or switched region locked. <laughs> Did, that... Did that intro slap? That intro is good, oh, right? Oh, no, it was awesome. Cameron, the yeah. intro is good. I just remember the it's, CGI elephant. It's a bop, I think you could say. I, I'm going to I'm gonna <laughs> mute my mic so I can listen to it for a second to confirm if this is a bop Wait, or not. Wait, are we talking about the, the intro to Monster Rancher or yeah. the little ditty from the... Um, oh, yeah. No, Monst- rule. No, Monster Rancher. Yeah, Monster Rancher's intro was great. Yeah. Yeah. It was fantastic. Um, but yeah, so, so uh, the Switch isn't reason, region locked. So the fact that there is an English version of the game means we can port it over, play it on our Switches, no problem. So oh, baby. Uh, good good news for us. Although I wouldn't Bad bet news against for my family. it. I wouldn't bet, it, bet against it getting an American release. It'll probably just be a digital-only release in the States. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's going to be... It, it looks very, very fun. It's You raise your Ultraman kaiju. Yeah. Um, it's all the all the Ultraman kaiju and aliens that you know and love. Uh, obviously, Gamora is the one that's shown on the cover. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, primarily. Course. But, like, you've got Data on there. You've got Baltan. You've got uh, all, all of them. Every Ultraman kaiju that you could possibly want. Seems now, to how's be. that going to work? Because Dada and Baltan 
are they're just highly dudes. intelligent creatures. They're just guys. <laughs> <laughs> they're just they're just alien homies. Well, if I'm just like, hey, buddy, who's ready for their slop? They're gonna be like, excuse me, I have a family. Uh, Technically, no, no, no. in the original episode that Data showed up, and I only know this because I have watched the original Ultraman really recently. Yeah. Uh, when Data grows to large size. Uh, it's he. He is supposed to have lost his intelligence. Oh, so, okay. so he's kind of going berserk. He's supposed huh. to be animalistic. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So oh, that's his Ozaru form. I have, I have a well, very important piece of news I'd like to share with all of you. Yeah. I found my Dada underwear. Hey! Hey! hey. We did it, people. We did it, folks. We did it. Uh, I also have important news. Uh, the Monster Rancher official opening does indeed slap. It's very good. Oh, that's a, excellent. I just, excellent. But yeah. Um. So people are really excited about it being a Monster Rancher game because Monster Rancher as a franchise in general has been on kind of a hiatus. The last mm-hmm. game released was Monster Rancher like four, I think. And it was on the like original Xbox or something like wow. that. Or, I mean, Monster Rancher over here has been basically gone oh, since sure, 1998. Dead, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but even in Japan, the games have been gone too. So like this is like a revival that nobody saw coming, like, yeah. <laughs> like in any way, shape or form. Um, but it looks Ooh, really, really fun for all those people that like the, like farming sim kind of like r- raising animals, that kind of game. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. going to have a blast with it. Uh, also you get to battle as well. So there's going to be that aspect. So it's going to be more, I guess if I was going to equate it to a game, like a rune factory kind of yeah. a thing, it's like, it's got like the RPG elements of raising things and then fighting with them. And yeah, it's going to be fun. Good fun. Um, it, it does look like it's kind of like one on one from like the trailers mm-hmm. that they showed. So it's, I mean, admittedly, I've never played a Monster Hunter game or Monster Rancher game before. So it does mm-hmm. seem, I mean, I guess it's supposed to be pretty similar to. Um, I mean, it might be like Pokemon esque. Like I was going to say more like that you switch in the proper Digimon games, you know, little Tachi, oh, Tachigami, yeah. Tachi, yeah. Tachi, Tachi, Tamagotchi. There we go. Tachigami. Tiki Taki. Tiki Taki Maki. Tamagotchis. Yeah, no. My name is Yusuke Tagamachi. You killed my father. I'm here for revenge. Yeah, no. Yeah, there's a there's a, there's a really good trailer. I already shared it on our Twitter. Yeah. Uh, you can find it on there. Um, I think I shared the English version too. But uh, yeah, it's there really there cute. is an English version of the trailer that gives you all the fun details. Um, and like yeah. I was saying, it's it's really great that the Switch is, isn't region locked because I actually thought it was, but it, it is very much not region locked unless you're in China and then you're screwed. Uh-oh. Uh oh. But uh, everyone else will be able to get this English version of the game one way or another um sorry to our uh small but dedicated fan base in china uh, <laughs> i'm pretty sure if we had a fan base in china we would have lost them any of the times that we were talking about the dads from godzilla versus megalon so oh, um... <laughs> well well hey maybe not who knows they're small but dedicated and also the leader of an underground resistance. Uh, plus resistance <laughs> Oh, um, boy. Um, Jan if you're out there, I believe in you. <laughs> but anyway, uh, so that's all the news for this week, uh, which is very good because I have a lot to say about this movie because, uh, as I have said multiple times, it is my favorite movie of all time. Um, I know a lot about the backstory, a lot of fun stuff, uh, the production of this movie, going into it and all that good stuff. And then, of course, the movie itself has a lot of stuff to talk about in it as well. So I'm very yeah. excited to do that. So, Rob, can you take us into our July 4th break? After these messages, we'll be right back. The monster will destroy us all. Prehistoric monster. The monster will destroy us all. 
Oh yeah, revenge. by the way, I probably should have clarified we are talking about Jaws 4, Revenge. We're pretty excited to talk about this one. You know, we're all big Michael Caine fans. Love Tangerine. Caine. Love when he the size get awards. Of a man Look, falling down we may to pick himself cover, back up, Bruce. We may cover the other Jaws movies, especially Jaws 2, because I really want to talk about Jaws 2. Because it's no, actually Jaws 2 is actually slaps. Movie. It's yeah. great. Um, so, uh, but yeah, the, no, we are talking about the original Jaws, 1974, uh, five. Uh, I, I, I always get that uh, date wrong. For some reason, I think 74 or 76, <laughs> but it's always it's the, one, it's the one in the middle. It's always oh. 75. Um, Every right. time it's 75. There so we're definitely going to have a couple of just like extra sections in here. I don't even know what I'm going to call them, but there's a lot of really fun stuff with the making of this movie. Yeah. But Facts. this is also a movie that, uh, as as Cameron said, uh, or Rob said, I can't remember who said it at the beginning before <laughs> we recorded, uh, uh, that like this is a this is a movie that's like definitely in that cultural zeitgeist of most people at least know the general idea of what this movie is about. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, that was me. I got to use my $4 word, cultural osmosis. Yeah, there it is. There you there go. Is. Ooh, big word. Um, yeah. so, so we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on the plot description because it's very, most people know what it's about. Um, so I'm really just going to give a really basic like plot breakdown and we're going to go into the characters and then some of the making of stuff because it's a lot of really fun stuff there. Um, so... Um, this movie takes place on a small island in New England called Amity Island. Uh, in real life, it is Martha's Vineyard. Um, oh, not a lot of very... vines, though. Ah. Hmm, interesting. <laughs> That's a different side of the island. Um, and yet there are no vines. Interesting. <laughs> hmm, hmm, hmm. Uh, so uh, it's a very hot summer. Uh, the, of course, it, just like any uh, New England uh, beach town, uh, most of the uh, most of the income uh, for the island is the summer dollars. Of course, <gasps> you know, July Fourth weekend, huge. That's when they get all their money. Big summer money, yeah, yep. uh, from their peoples. Uh, so uh, the tourists, here come the whales, eh, boys? <laughs> <laughs> Late night, uh, 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 a group of uh, uh, revelers, revel makers. Yeah, it's uh, party people in the house. Party people, college kids on the beach are uh, drinking and smoking and having a great time. Uh, one of them, a, a woman uh, or a girl by the name of Chrissy uh, decides to tempt a young man uh, to going skinny dipping in the ocean. Has, has there uh, ever been a woman in a movie named Chrissy who had things go okay for her? <laughs> I don't think so. No, actually. I think Chrissy's pretty cursed when it comes to names. Chrissy's I think, I think one name. Chrissy gets murdered in every fifth Friday the 13th movie. Mm. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> uh, that sounds right. Um, anyway, so she uh, tips a man, uh, a guy to go skinny dipping. He is too drunk, uh, so he passes out on the beach. But she still goes into the water anyway. Yep, yep. She immediately mm. gets killed. Um, so she next gets morning, killed. <laughs> we meet up with our uh, brand new sheriff for Amity Island, uh, Martin Brody, who moved mm-hmm. here from New York City uh, with his wife, who is from the island. Or no, she's not from the island. She is from the area yeah yeah because there's a conversation she's a new england 
She'll yeah. she'll never be an islander, even if she's lived near here most of her life. Anyway, yeah. Um, so he gets the call pretty much right when he goes into the office that day uh, that there was uh, a, a reported missing swimmer. Mm-hmm. Uh, they immediately go down to the beach with his one deputy <laughs> yes. um, <laughs> to investigate uh, what happened. What a, what a champion of a man his deputy is. <laughs> they immediately find uh, her dead body. Uh, oh. And, uh, of course, uh, the uh, coroner, cor- as, li- as it is in the movie, coroner, C-O-R-N-E-R. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, lists it as a shark attack. So Brody does the thing that everybody would do and immediately is like, we got to close the beaches. You know, we got to, we got to mm-hmm. figure out what's going on. Um, his deputy gets stopped by the mayor, Larry Vaughn. And of course, all of the local businessmen, uh, kind of ambush Brody and are like, Hey, you know, maybe it was a boating accident. Who knows? You can't close <laughs> the beaches. You got to get sharks a- like, Maybe it's a cool shark. You gotta get a good order. (laughs) Sunglasses and a surfboard. Uh, So he's he's forced (laughs) uh, to to back down, and so the beaches do not close. Uh, We next get to the next sequence where uh, Brody is now on the beach, kind of watching for sharks because he he knows it's still a problem, but he can't do anything. Um, where we get our next death of the film, uh, mm-hmm. where a well, technically two deaths, uh, where a dog gets eaten. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. dog does off die camera. Movie. Yep. <laughs> um, and then, but I still um, have to look away from the screen every time. Yeah. Hey then, everybody, uh, I'm a tough the man. Kittner boy, uh, Alex Kittner, uh, gets killed uh, on his little uh, uh, little pond, little little floaty on the water which yes which is very which is very cool for multiple reasons but number one is that is actually the thing that great white sharks will attack the most is like surfboards and things like that because from the underneath the water you look like a seal so they immediately oh. go a little kid gets eaten by a shark and that's pretty cool because <laughs> <laughs> um it's very violent lots of blood um, um oh boy but uh so immediately of course uh this is when the movie turns there's no hiding that it was a shark now uh, so many people on the beach saw it. Um, and so we find out that the the mother of the Kittner boy uh, mm-hmm. puts out uh, a, a thing in the papers yeah. all across, out everywhere, not just on the island, uh, for a bounty for the shark. Um, Brody immediately uh, contacts the Oceanographic Institute to try and get an expert to come down to investigate what's going on. Uh, they get Hooper. And they get Hooper. We're not there yet, but... Uh, so uh, at the meeting, uh, at the meeting of all the business people and the people who run the island, essentially the mayor and everybody else, um, they're talking about what to do about the shark. Uh, a, a hardcore fisherman uh, that ex- that is a shark hunter shows up named Quint and says that he will kill the shark for a for an exorbitant amount of money. Yes. Um, and if you don't kill it, it's just going to keep eating people. And they just kind of go like, well, we'll keep that under advisement. And Quint just leaves because he's like, yeah, that this is going to go badly for them. I said uh, my piece. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so um, the like the next uh, we get a lot of amateur hunters from all over come to the island to try and kill the shark. Um, uh, uh, Hooper shows up at the same time uh, to talk to Brody to try and uh, investigate what the shark is or who, you know, what kind of shark it is. Um, and what's going on? They go look at the first victim. He's like, you're an idiot. This was definitely a shark attack, not a boating accident. You um, stupid. 
which you know the the corner like is sitting there like i know that but i had to yeah. say you know it's <laughs> he has a very reserved like oh man <laughs> um anyway uh the the group of uh a bunch of fishermen do actually catch a tiger shark yes and mm-hmm. get back um and of course everybody's like oh that has to be the shark uh hooper is automatically that is that is not the shark the mouth the bite radius does not match and they're mm-hmm. like what are you talking about get out of here and then uh, uh we get a sad moment for brody where he gets blamed by the kittner uh, boy's mom oh yeah, yeah. she comes uh, up and slaps the crap out of his face yeah, yeah for, for not closing the beaches which of course we all mm-hmm. know because we're watching the movie that it was not his decision not to close the beaches um but anyway uh, so uh of course, the mayor uses this as a reason to uh, reopen Amity Island for July, just in time for July 4th. Um, so we get uh, all the people that were coming for the summer thinking, you know, coming here saying, you know, like, oh, the beaches are safe now. The shark's been caught. It's been killed. Look, it's in all the papers. Um, and so we get uh, our second uh, beach attack sequence uh, where uh, we there's some jackass kids that go out there with a cardboard shark fin. <laughs> Mm. Uh, and it distracts all of the shark watchers from the real shark coming into um, the the pond, as they call it, um, which is just a little. It's like a little inlet. There's a, yeah. there's a lot of those like beaches where it's just like a little inlet of water that yeah. doesn't get the waves that like old people and kids go to instead of is the that. Is that what you'd call ocean. a bay? Kind kind of, but it's not. It's not as big as a bay. It's just a little like. Okay. It's like yeah. literally usually just like in the movie. It's kind of just like court uh, like like off of the side of the beach usually like usually it's just like a pier that's causing it to be like separated mm. essentially uh okay. it's kind of like an artificial lake made with seawater as i guess oh, how I okay say. there you go uh, so anyway so the shark enters that uh area with uh brody's son uh who is on his new little boat in the water which ties into jaws 2 which is why i think jaws 2 is a good sequel to this movie um oh. uh, anyway uh the shark uh comes after uh him and the this guy that was just on the boat on on his own little rowboat and was checking in on the kids because they were like <laughs> he's, he's like rowing up in this comically small boat he's like hey kids how's it going you need any help hey how's it going and he's like ta- fast talking at them oh, and then the shark talking, just goes yeah. oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah so uh immediately tips over both boats uh the the man is instantly killed yes um uh, leaving his leg behind, which I'm about to get to uh, in the inspiration for this oh. whole movie in a little bit. Um, so uh, then, of course, Brody is just like, you're going to pay Quint what he wants and we're going to kill the shark. Yeah. And the mayor finally breaks out of his thing because, of course, once again, we're going to talk about the mayor in a separate conversation. But the mayor goes, my kids were on the beach. Therefore, it's my problem yeah. now. So he takes relief. Mm-hmm. He's like, okay, well, now I'll sign off on the thing. Uh, so Brody, Quint, Hooper all go out on the orca to hunt and kill the shark. Uh, we get the rest of this movie, which is literally mm-hmm. three men on a boat hunting the shark. Um, yeah, it is. With which, you know of... what? What better? What could be better than this? <laughs> What's better than this? Guys being shark dudes. Guys shark dudes. Yeah. Um, so uh, we 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 get the whole uh, final sequence of the film, which I feel like we'll talk about kind of in favorite moments in various points. But uh, essentially, they Quint hunts the great white shark by shooting uh, barrels that are buoyant into yeah. the shark to to kind of drown itself essentially. Uh, but of course, because this is the Jaws shark, aka <laughs> Bruce, 
uh, he is a badass and he takes three barrels to bring him up. And even then he's still yeah. chewing through the line and, oh, yeah. and being very smart. Um, uh, so, uh, yeah. So through most of the film, of course, which we'll talk about in the making of a, in a little bit, uh, in this sequence, they use the barrels as where the shark is. Yeah. Notorious. I'll know the shark didn't work. Uh, so, mm-hmm. uh, they use that as a tension of like the shark is underneath the water, like directly underneath them. And the greatest part is, is that like the barrels aren't always fast moving. Sometimes they'll just float to the surface. Yeah. And so it's really like, where is the shark? Yeah. Is it directly under the barrels? Is it under the boat? Is it, so there's a lot of great moments of tension, of course. Um, so, uh, they finally get the barrels attached to the back of the orca, um, and they attempt to drag the shark back to the shoreline so that the shark will, as I said, drown because of the buoyancy. Yeah. Uh, but, but gosh dang, uh, he's just too strong. <laughs> he's too strong. And they burn out the engine of the boat. It explodes, in fact. Yeah. Um, and so they go back to the backup plan, which is Hooper going into the shark cage to try and poison the shark by getting it in the mouth with a needle. Uh, immediately goes back. That goes very poorly, uh, yeah. <laughs> very, very oh, poorly. Yeah. Uh, the shark, uh, destroys the cage. Everybody thinks Hooper is dead. Uh, and then we get the famous sequence where the shark jumps onto the boat, um, and, uh, kills Quint because he slips down, uh, into the jaws of, of, of Bruce. And, uh, then we have the amazing, uh, uh, climax of the film where we have Brody, uh, throw a, uh, air canister in the mouth of the shark. Um, which has been teased multiple times oh, yeah. in this movie as a good uh, Chekhov's gun kind of a thing mm-hmm. uh, to lead up to this final moment where he climbs up onto the mast of the ship, which is all that's above the water now. Um, and he's got his Smile, he's got the right son of a <laughs> <laughs> uh, shark blows up. Hooper's revealed to have still been alive. I mean, we as an audience saw him escape. Yeah. But, uh, for the movie, everybody thinks he's dead. Uh, they swim back to shore. Peaceful music plays. As they're all just like, uh, Brody's like, I, you know, I used to hate the water. And Hooper says, I can't imagine why. Um, <laughs> and that's Jaws. And then they in a kiss. Nutshell. And then they kiss. No, man. um, man, uh, this is a, this is a wild ride, man. Um, it is a, it's a two hour movie that feels like an hour and a half. Yeah. In my opinion. It's, it's, it's a, very, it's a very tight construction. Every scene builds on the very next scene. Nothing feels like you could cut it. Yeah, um, yeah. Every, you know. everything everything flows together so nicely every part of the movie is important everything that happens is there's yeah. no just sort of spectacular things you that can, are just there to look at i'll say that yeah. they definitely like you can tell early on they do a lot of fun camera tricks as soon as they're out on the water the fun camera tricks kind of stop and it gets a lot more utilitarian <laughs> with like because they couldn't mm, yeah. well it's like yeah what are you gonna you know like without yeah, building so, whole yeah. rigs on a rocking <laughs> boat, you're not going to be able to do much. Um, yeah. But like, I mean, man, they, oh man, they still find a way. They still find a way to do some interesting things with the camera oh, work. Yeah. It's not. It's not the like crazy uh, push pull, which I know Cameron's desperate yeah. to talk about. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, they they still do some fun stuff. But yeah, yeah. they are limited by the fact uh, they the are literally and, yeah. uh, what they're doing. Um, so. Before we go to characters, I want to talk about just some of like the pre-production stuff before we get to the, to the actual mm-hmm. characters themselves. Sure. Um, so pre-production. So obviously this is based off of a book by Peter Benchley. Um, there is a notorious thing about this movie that I will talk about in my least favorite moment. It's not a problem with the movie itself. It's actually a problem with legacy that this movie and the book left 
for a very long mm-hmm. time. Uh, but uh, oh, I got opinions on that. Yeah. Uh, but uh, regardless, so the book um, was was not actually thought like it was going to be a bestseller or anything at first. Like it was it was they he had a hard time coming up with the title of the movie. Um, he, you know, it was based on a real event, which I'll go into in, in a second. Um, and you know, it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't, the book is, is very good, but it is very Jurassic park in the sense that there is a lot of stuff that they cut out for mm-hmm. the movie. Um, that there's a, there's a mafia plot, which does actually get brought back in to jaws too, <laughs> uh, a little bit. Um, there's, uh, you know, it's like the real owners of the Island kind of a thing. Um, and that's why the, the, the mayor is such a dick. Uh, has been the mayor of Amity Island for 20 years. <laughs> uh, Hooper has an affair with Brody's wife. Oh, um, he's not, he's not a Oops. clean cut dude uh, in the, in the original book. They cut that out very early on. Um, there are just like various little differences like that. But anyway, so uh, when they bought the rights for the movie or for, for the movie based on the book, uh, Peter eventually did not get a lot of money from the book sale because it was it wasn't once again, it wasn't like a bestseller when they bought the rights. They bought the rights before it had actually fully gone on sale. So he didn't get paid that much, but he was like really broke at the time. So he was happy for, I think, I think he got, I mean, it's the seventies. So it's, you know, I think he got like a hundred thousand yeah. dollars, but like technically that's, for a big movie like this, that's not too bad in the seventies, but yeah. for a movie, for a movie like this, that became what it is. Like he should the blockbuster. a <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, anyway, uh, Steven Spielberg was brought on pretty early. Uh, there was a other, another director that was brought on very early on before they brought in Steven because Steven had only made Sugarland Express and uh, Duel at this point. Mm. Uh, so he was kind of an untested director for the most part. Like this was still very early days for him. Um, Duel is a kick-ass movie. It is. <laughs> and the, Steven Spielberg always quotes this movie as being like a spiritual sequel to Duel because, oh. you know, it's kind of the same like unrelenting force has... chasing after, you know. Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a vibe. <laughs> yeah, it's it's, it's it definitely kind of the vibe. same same vibe for sure. Uh, there's also a great reference to Duel at the very end of this movie that I will say when we get towards the end of the review. Uh, but um, anyway, uh, so Stephen, uh, there was the original director for this movie. I don't know who it was, but he was adamant that the story was about a whale. <laughs> um, and they were just like, "It's about a shark." And he's like, "No, but I really want to make a movie about a whale." And like, they were like, "Yeah, we're not." doing that so you're fired <laughs> <laughs> we're not gonna do that i love killer whales uh, oh. or i hate whales so oh, i want to see saw... them for the monsters they are <laughs> there you go maybe he just saw the uh the, the name orca <laughs> in the like... book and was like oh it's about a whale <laughs> he's the he's the spinosaurus guy he's like look at how big that thing is they can't <laughs> not be the top killer of the whole thing um <laughs> so uh when they were trying to find a place to film the movie, um, the book kind of describes a uh, an island more similar to like the Hamptons um, in its description, and and that's one of the mm. ones that places that Peter Benchley suggested we, they look at. Yeah. Um, but they settled on Martha's Vineyard for a couple of reasons. Number one, Martha's Vineyard was desperate for money at the time because Fair. there was actually a um, I can't remember what president it was, but any, there was supposed to be a bridge that was built between the island from uh, one side to the shoreline. 
and it was like fully funded by the government and whatever. And then the president signed a bill that killed it oh. late in a game. And so like it ruined their economy for like a year, like two years. So like it like it almost killed the beach town. So yeah, when when they came, when they went there and they started talking to like the you know the the mayor of the town and and all that stuff, like it all started to line up that that it was going to be a good location. One of the other reasons why it was a great location was because uh, there the it's one of the few places on the New England coast where you can go. Uh, 30 miles out and there is still a a beach or a, a uh, there's a there's sandbars that are still like 30 feet down that you can that, mm. so they could put the shark rig on the underneath the ocean without it going so deep that it was completely unusable because um, they wanted because obviously they wanted it to feel like the the three characters on the boat were out in the middle of nowhere not yeah oh you can see the shoreline over there like they, they wanted <laughs> yeah. to make sure that you couldn't see the shore because if they saw if you saw the shore everybody would be like why don't they just go back to the island um so that was a big leave. part of it uh yeah why don't they just go home uh unfortunately martha's vineyard <laughs> got greedy uh while they were while they were in pre-production because there was this mm, whole thing where yeah where they were like because they so there was a right there was an actor strike that was about to start so they were trying to s- squeeze this film in before the actor strike started. Uh, it didn't actually end up going through, luckily, because this film took way longer to film than they originally intended. But uh, then they were also very adamant that they don't film during the summer when they make their summer dollars, ironically. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they had to film it, like, honestly, while it was still a little cold in New England. And that's why you see a lot of actors in this movie wearing jackets and wearing, like, full three-piece suits and stuff. is because it's actually, like... It's not cold, cold, but it's like in the fifties. You know what I mean? Like it's actually still decently like chilly. It's a little chilly. Um, yeah. So, uh, so that caused some stuff, and then the, the the city itself also started like getting angry at them with zoning stuff for like building any sets or any new buildings on the um, on the island. Like essentially, they were the islanders or the islanders were treating it like they were actually building a like a, a shack for Quince shark hunting the like location and so like they counted it as a real building so it it meant it had to have like water and electricity (laughs) and you know like everything Mm -hmm. run to it and the filmmakers were like no 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 no. we're we're building it and we're gonna take it down in like a month like it's not it's not an actual like sustainable place so there was a lot of zoning issues that we will remove and this is the start of this movie's production. Like, keep this in mind. We're not even actually to all the shark is not working and everything else that went along with this movie. Um, so, uh, yeah, there's just like all sorts of stuff that was already kind of like red flags going in. Um, and so like Steven was really down about making this movie already kind of, because it was already kind of like more than he thought it was going to be. Like, there's a lot of just like weird issues kept popping up. Uh, so the producers actually had to do this. This is a funny story that they tell all the time where, uh, they had made up crew shirts for Joss and, uh, they were about to have a meeting with Steven and they got word that Steven was probably going to be backing out as director. Oh no. And so the, the producer made everyone in the production office wear the Jaws shirts and like ha- made everybody was like, we got to be really excited about this movie when he comes <laughs> in, we got to be like super like positive and pumped about this movie and how it's going to be great and uh, yeah and so yeah so they they, they they everybody was like super pumped and it stopped steven spielberg from quitting they, like it literally he walked in the office with the intention to quit and he walked out being like no you know it'll be fine it'll be all right we'll, we'll make it work um 
so <laughs> now let's move into the casting because I think this is time where we can talk about characters because there's lots of great characters in this movie. This movie is more of yeah. a character-driven dri- film than it is a shark like shark movie that you think of when you think of shark movies. Um, so let's go down the list. Uh, so first off, we've got Roy Scheider as Martin Brody. Brody. Brody is uh man Brody makes it hard to say a cab in this movie but I still have to say a cab um Brody's super it helps cool that he is fictional character okay that's yes. fair uh Brody is super cool he is uh this like stern ex New York cop who moved to a small island because it, like here he can make a difference that's like his number one thing he has a whole speech about it uh, while he's drinking a pint full of wine. Um, uh, a mega pint, if you're in the current zeitgeist of referencing wine. Oh, wait, a mega pint? Are, are you in that zeitgeist? <laughs> Do you not know? No. It's from the Johnny Depp trial. They oh. said he was drinking a mega pint of wine, and Johnny Depp was oh, like, what's a mega oh, pint? Yeah. Oh, I have no... Man, I checked out of that ASAP. Uh, well, I, I, just, I, just had to, I just had to reference it there, because it's it's it's, it's oh, it, it makes sense in this sense. <laughs> Uh, he's, uh, you know, he's, he's someone who cares about his community, cares about his, his little kids and cares about his wife, but boy, you know who he cares about the most in this world is probably the next character we're going to talk about <laughs> his best friend, his best friend. I, <laughs> I love how romantic, like bro romantic the ending is. Yeah. Uh, it's like, it's almost like an anticlimax cause it's like the wife gets pushed aside so the homies can yeah. hang out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Which was, um, it's very funny. Yeah, uh, uh, but yeah. Uh, Rob, but... sometimes a family is three men on a boat and a giant shark that wants to kill everyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, Roy, Roy Scheider is as Brody. So uh, he got cast by being at the right uh, party at the right time. Huh. Uh, Steven Spielberg was uh, explaining the movie to uh, another producer friend of his that wasn't the producer for this film. And uh, Roy kind of overheard part of the conversation. And like when he got introduced to Steven because he hadn't met and like Steven was familiar with his work before this movie. But yeah, like they hadn't, you know, so he was like and Roy was like, that movie you were talking about, I'd love to be in it. And Steven <laughs> was like, you know, you would make a great Chief Brody. And the rest is history. That's how he got signed on to the role. It was he, it was as simple as that. I love um, that he doesn't. None of the actors seem like and maybe this is just like, man, 70s movies, like people just looked like humans. You know, yeah, he you know, looks I was like gonna bring a that dude. Up later, he looks I was like gonna bring a that dude. Up later. Yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, uh, me and Julio uh, have been talking about this a lot because of Dominion. We talked about it a little bit actually, as well. But like the the difference between the generations of action heroes yeah. and what they like. Oh yeah, all all three of these characters, even Quint, are just humans. Like yeah. they have flaws. <laughs> they are not perfect. They are not, you know, they they all have their own idiosyncrasies that are like reminding us that they are human at all times yeah and i think that's something that really stands out against something like dominions like chris pratt where it's just he's an action hero he's always going to survive everything that he's in he's always going to survive he's always going to make just the right call no matter how stupid it is there's actually a really interesting kind of breakdown about like the american action hero post 9-11 where we needed our characters to be invulnerable because yeah. we ourselves suddenly became vulnerable, became vulnerable. Yeah. Uh, yeah. At least like on a cultural zeitgeist level. So mm-hmm. like this, you know, when this movie came out, it was, you know, 
moms and dads and like kids watching this movie and they were watching someone they know fighting a shark. Yeah, like a dude down the yeah. street that yeah. they've talked to for their whole lives. Uh, and it, yeah. it feels dude... so real. Uh, he His yeah. anxiety feels real. His acting is phenomenal in this. He does such a great job of like yeah. bouncing the like border between like like shock in like a real human way. Yes. Like when Bruce first shows up and you just see like it's like the reaction meme. Like they love the gif of it. Yeah, but like throwing the chum. Showing the chum. Yeah. He sees it and he just like. He just sits straight up and he's not like jerks straight screaming. Up. He's not freaking out. It's just like, that's what like you do when yep. something really uh, yeah, horrifying like... happens is you just, <laughs> your whole body <laughs> tenses. And slowly back away from what you just saw, yes. which is exactly what he does. He, he tenses up and he just slowly backs into the cabin and we get the famous line of this movie, but, uh, mm-hmm. uh, which was improvised yeah. uh, by him. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I love, uh, Roy Scheider in this role. Uh, he he's not an actor that com- he he did uh he didn't come back for a lot of the sequels but he does come back for Jaws 2. Okay. Um uh I mean his legacy is kind of, I mean uh, the movie is about the Brodies like yeah. always. All yeah. all the movies mm-hmm. are, have the Brodies as the main characters but um I feel like that's that's something that Sometimes makes Jaws to a 2... ludicrous extent. Yes. Like in 4. <laughs> but but I think that's one of the, he is, he really connects this film to the next film and he stays that same character, that same flawed character that we have here in the next film. And so like, I think that's one of the things that makes the two work together. But I really think here, like, I just, I, I love him in this role. I just really yeah. do. I, I love uh, the, the, the moment where, you know, he goes back to his house after they know that it's not the shark that killed everybody. Yeah. And like, and like he just got slapped by the woman who blames yeah. him for her son's death, even though it wasn't his fault. And I love his interaction with oh, his, his son, his youngest son, yeah. with the, the being, kids mimicking that's him. A, that's cute. Yeah. That's such a, it's such an authentic, it feels authentic. And, yeah. it, and it was, mm-hmm. it was the kid, they, they, they did that on set without like big prov- provocation from Steven. Like the, it was kind of just a thing that happens. Yeah. Um, and so like, it just, it's just, it was, it's just such a nice, he, he's really good in the role. Um, and, uh, I still like that he, he does play that kind of fish out of water kind of character a little yeah. bit, but they don't <laughs> overdo it, but yeah, he's just, uh, he, he, he lives on what, what's the joke. He, he, uh, it's only an Island. If you look at it from the water, it's his line about <laughs> yeah, why he's a lot of sense. Uh, <laughs> what's oh gosh my one of my my favorite line delivery from him is his wife is like talking to uh uh the doctor and she's like oh yeah you know i mean he's always been afraid of water you know like since a child like you know there's like a clinical name for it what's that name for like being afraid of water and he goes drowning like just like real flat <laughs> because it's like oh. a really bad time to like try like he's in a bad spot but like his delivery there and like th- that was literally my second consideration for the intro of the oh, episode. It's so good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but let's move on to our next character. Uh, so Richard Dreyfus as Hooper. Yeah. Um, the man from yes. the Oceanographic Institute. Uh, Institute. Um, and uh, I, funny enough, uh, uh, technically where he's supposed to be going after this movie is to a facility that's very like the facility in Deep Blue Sea that we oh. see. Uh, in the next movie, because he says it's like a, a kind of a flo- floating Alcatraz for shark. Oh well, yeah, uh, which yeah. is exactly what Deep Blue Sea is. Uh, there's <laughs> a lot more. Connection. We're taking him to Shark Jail. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot more uh, connections to that than you Just think. Putting there are giant handcuffs on Bruce as you load him into the back of a paddy wagon. 
Uh, like, but Ricky as, as Hooper. So casting as Hooper. Uh, so there was a lot of p- character uh, p- actors up for the role of Hooper. Uh, Richard Dreyfus was approached with the role, but he read the script and he literally looked at Steven and said, uh, <laughs> this looks like a great movie to watch, but a horrible movie to film. I don't want any part of it. <laughs> you uh, know what? And <laughs> he was right, uh, ironically. Uh, but uh, he uh, then he saw himself in a lead role in a film that he had just done in, in a theater, and he thought he was terrible in it. <laughs> and so he was just, I need a job. Like, I, I need I need to cut this off and get a job. So he called <laughs> Steven Spielberg back and got the job. Um uh, and once again, it's funny because, yeah, his his prophecy of how terrible the production of this movie came true. Yeah, uh, well. But. Dreyfus uh, sees all. Uh, but I, I really like him as Hooper. And once again, like you like you've brought up, Rob, like he has a great relationship with Brody. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have a good back and forth that feels natural. Yeah. Uh, it, they both feel like just characters caught up in this this incident, you know, like very. He's the shark expert, but even he's having kind of a hard time believing what's happening because it doesn't happen yeah well it's <laughs> yeah. and that's like that's one of the interesting things you they do with this movie is they do make it like you know because it's a natural terror but they make it unnatural because it's like it shouldn't be here you know yeah it um, shouldn't be here and it shouldn't have this kind of almost malice yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's really i i think that his character really adds that extra like little bit of science flair but he's that fun action scientist from the 70s post post 50s action scientist which was like you know i'm a man of science he's you know he's a pothead he's a you know he's a (laughs) yeah he's a stoner scientist that would have existed in the 70s man i i don't think they could have done a better job casting someone to look like a brilliant but utterly disheveled (laughs) and kind of disaster of a man yes it's very he like you get a very like real sense of his character as mm-hmm. someone who you know ultimately is like i don't know like um yeah i mean he's very <laughs> he's 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 very smart and he knows a yes. lot of things but he is almost mm. like obsessively knowledgeable about certain aspects of life and that has left him socially unprepared for certain situations so he yep. has a very short patience with every other character. Whereas like you see Brody try to hold himself back. You see Hooper loses cool regularly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, oh, all and the time. That, that, every scene. That dynamic works so well in this movie yeah. that is ostensibly about people in a bad situation knowing that something is about to get worse. I love my favorite scene with him and Brody is actually the uh, the moment they go to try and tell Vaughn about the great white after he dropped this oh movie. yeah and uh vaughn has the amazing like that'll get your name in the national geographic and instead of having hooper like come back with a snarky remark they just have him just laugh in disbelief just like absolutely just yeah. like it's just like oh my god that is the most ridiculous thing in the yeah world. <laughs> that's can i just say I don't think this is going to be something of favorite moments. It's technically cinematography, but I just want to throw this in here because it's in this sequence specifically and a bunch of other scenes. Man, that's Spielberg Warner. Oh my God. Oh yeah. Oh, so yeah. many scenes hmm. where you just like, uh, listen, like this is going to cost several like hundred dollars or more, Yep. but I'm going to turn the camera on and you guys are going to act. 
and I'm yep. going to fall like gonna just we're going to we're going to block out the scene and know exactly where you guys need to move. But it yep. feels supernaturalistic. And there's like scenes where you have multiple conversations happening at once, like yep. the the dual phone calls or like oh, very man. early oh. in the sequence where like Brody's like well, calling into work. He's like, yeah, I'll be there. And yeah. you hear Coleman, his wife in the background talking. Coleman brought that up uh, when I was telling him uh, what we were doing uh, with uh, overlapping dialogue. Yeah. In early Spielberg movies. Um, and you hear it in Jurassic Park and you hear it like yeah. ET and stuff and you hear it here. And it's something that is not done in movies anymore. Absolutely and I really not. want it back. Yeah. I want it back so bad because it's so realistic. Like Because you, can, you fact, get pieces, bits and pieces of the information that you, if you're really focused in, like, oh, I want to hear what this character is saying. Or yeah. like I kind of, oh, like that was something interesting that the mom was talking about. You can zero in on different conversations and it feel, it makes the cinema feel real yeah feels like a real like you're yeah. in somebody's house listening to a conversation in somebody's house yeah, absolutely um so yeah and then uh funny enough with that scene i'll say it here since we're talking about it uh so one of the reasons why that was a wonder by the way is because yeah. uh martha's vineyard was adamant that the billboard only stay up for like a day so they yeah. had to get every shot of the billboard <laughs> With it's like the shark and everything, like yeah. they had to get that done in a day and pulled down because wow. they couldn't have it up for more than a day. So that was another reason why they did that as a wonder <laughs> because they were like, oh, "We got, we just got to do this and get out." Like, yeah. You know? um, so it's it, it, it's so incredible to see the actors like hit, you know, like really polished dialogue that is mm -hmm. naturalistic because, like, yeah, you didn't have to, you just had to get the script mostly right. You just had to not yeah. break any canon, you know? Yeah. But you allow these characters to kind of be the character and yep. you don't see that in movies today where you just have characters just like, you know, fucking the camera. And now it's like, it'd be so much easier to do it, to have yep. like, like five minutes of uninterrupted. But the problem is movies have to be so fast be now. Yeah, we got to be quicker than this movie. So like there are multiple we scenes. We got to get all the references in. As oh, yep. <laughs> soon as this movie starts, you just like immediately know, like, no, this is a movie that wants to take a time. I literally I watched Kiki's Delivery Service and this back to back. And like, it's like, oh, wow. Right. Like we used to care. <laughs> yeah. But Richard Dreyfuss is super fantastic. Absolutely. Um, obviously, it led him to become friends with Spielberg so that he would be in uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind yeah. very soon after this as well. Uh, very, very good role for Dreyfus. Uh, Dreyfus, yeah. uh, funny, funny, uh, took you a tidbit, not about this movie, but a terrible movie called Piranha 3D. Uh, <laughs> Richard Dreyfus came back for a cameo playing oh. the same role. Oh my uh, God. In, in, uh, Piranha 3D. He's the, he's on the boat and he's fishing and he's the first person to get killed in the movie. He, he gets killed by the piranhas. Um, and so he, he is canon in the Jaws universe. <laughs> uh, but anyway, just funny story there. Um, so let's keep on the the main uh, male characters, and then we'll move on to Ellen. So let's uh, go to Robert Shaw as Quint, our yep. Captain Abhab uh, analog, our third, kind of. our third and mightiest dude. Um, so uh, funny story about this guy. Uh, so Robert Shaw was one of the many people up for this role, uh, but uh, Spielberg saw something in him that he really, really liked. But um, while they were casting this role, they ran into an Islander because most of the cast outside of the main characters are actually people just from Martha's Vineyard. And they ran into this guy um, who <laughs> just is, he had a phenomenal accent. He, he just had this way of talking, this way of everything. And so they kind of had 
they kind of not rewrote the script, but kind of had Robert Shaw when he became Quint kind of take a little bit of the way this um, other actor acted um, to kind of come up with like the accent and the way his, his like cadence of how he spoke um, to kind of give him that really authentic uh, a New England, New Englander fishing fisherman feel. Um, yeah. And um, uh, another fun thing about Robert Shaw before we talk about the rest of like him as a character uh, originally. So in the, in the movie as it is, his first introduction is uh, giving the speech. And then the next time we see him, he's laughing on the boat as they hold up the wrong shark um, as he's like moving past the crowd mm-hmm. uh, in the original version of the script. Uh, Steven Spielberg wanted to have him in the theater in a theater watching Moby Dick the like and and it's the end of the movie with the like Ahab with like little robot Ahab like stabbing at the whale and it was just going to be Quint just laughing his ass off to the point where everybody else leaves the theater and still he's just until he's just the last person in the theater just like bursting out laughing you know mattingly (laughs) at how (laughs) stupid this looks Um, and then the maker of the original Moby Dick movie um, it wasn't that he didn't like people making fun of it. It was just that he wasn't, it wasn't his proudest moment as a director. Like he did, mm. it's one of his movies that he's just like not very proud of. And so Steven respected his like wishes and was like, okay, I, I will figure something else out. Um, but, uh, I think it would have been kind of funny cause I mean, he, he, he has, he, he dies like Ahab. I mean, he, yeah. he literally is, um, he has that, that kind of character arc to him. Oh yeah. He's, um, he's going after that shark. <laughs> Yeah, um, which is yeah, it's uh, so. I, I I love Robert Shaw as Quint. Uh, I think that it's a very. He's he's a he's one of those like characters that you think is just an ultimate badass because of the way he is, and then you like start to find out why he's the ultimate badass, and you realize that like, oh, he only got this way because he's gone through some really bad trauma. Yeah, like he's he's. He's the very definition of like a hard exterior with like a soft, like, you know, like went through some shit, you know, like he's only hard on the outside because of what he went through. Well, uh, which of course he's is a, a broken speech. character. He's a, yes. he's, yeah. he basically, he witnessed because uh, yeah, I guess we can go into like the Indiana uh, USS Indianapolis. He was on a, 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 he was part of world war two boat got shot down by a Japanese sub and he was out in the waters and watched his friends slowly being picked off by tiger sharks uh, in uh-huh. the Pacific Ocean waiting for help to arrive, which took mm-hmm. a very long time because it was a secret mission. It was the the mission to, to uh, deliver the bomb. Yes. The Hiroshima bomb. Yeah. You know, um, that bomb. That and bomb. this is a 100% a true story. Oh, it, wow. Everything he says in this story is true. Mm-hmm. Uh, this happened the, to the USS in Indianapolis. Mm-hmm. And it's it's absolutely horrifying. He gives the exact numbers at the end. You know, he says uh, fifteen hundred men went into the yeah. water. Eleven hundred uh, men went into the water. Three hundred sixteen yep. came out of the water. Yep. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a hundred percent true, and it's absolutely horrifying. Uh, there's been some really bad movies made about it. Uh, oh, good. I wish I could real. That is good. Oh, real bad. Uh, Nicholas Cage is in one of them. Uh, oh no. <laughs> Um, but it, it is a story that is, it's really intense. Um, and there's another story that I'll, I'll tell in just a second, once we get to the end of the characters yeah. about the real, what Jaws was based off of, that is also horrifying, yeah. uh, that also really did happen. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, he's, yeah, he's a broken character. You're right. And, yeah. and I think his conversation about his, just there, like, there's such a camaraderie that 
like is is brought together on yeah. the orca once they get out on the water. And once again, I think it is because like up until this point, we've seen Quint as kind of this brash kind of really like he makes fun of everyone that he sees, you know, yeah. like he 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 mocks uh, Brody's wife before they leave the 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 you know to leave to go on their mission. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. About, uh, you know, uh, the, the virginity, the virginity. <laughs> Fifteen years she kept her virginity. Not too bad for this vicinity. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, uh, he's always singing like weird sea shanties. Uh, he's always he's always that that character. But uh, yeah, but then the instant that the Indianapolis speech happens, like that really transitions his character from being this kind of unknowable, like how did he get the way he is to now we kind of understand him. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's great because it's literally I mean it's another like basically it's another Steven Spielberg wonder it's another just like yeah. let Robert Shaw talk yeah and like and a hundred percent on set they said that like he he delivered the speech once and everybody was like blown Good. away cool. and I don't think they even <laughs> shot it again if I remember correctly they they kept the one that they shot the first time um because he just brought such an intensity to it that they were just like we're, we're not going to replicate yeah. that <laughs> like we can't do it again like it's just not going to be the same. Um, there's just, there's, there's something, I don't know. There's something about his eyes in that scene that always gets to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, he's, like, again, it's just, it's very, it's very real. It's very believable. Like it's, it's the kind of, yeah. Yeah. He's able yeah. to, I mean, he's, you know, he's feeling it. Like he's actually he's tearing it. He's back up there. at the thought. Yeah. 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 Yep. Which is, I mean, you know, good acting. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, he acted very good. <laughs> he, he did a good acting that time. Uh, one thing no, I'll say, uh, I wish I had watched this with subtitles because there were some times where he would get on a string of talking about something and I would lose his he words. He, he grumbles in the speech a little bit. Yeah. Uh, he's, uh, and I mean, maybe that's just a me problem. Maybe if I was not like I, watching this at night the first two I, times. <laughs> I, I hate to say it's also just a getting old problem, Rob. I watch my movies with subtitles like at all oh, times. But, yeah. Um... <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, hey. I have the. You guys don't notice or, or don't see it very much, but I do have the giant uh, old man horn that I shove into my ear to be able to hear stuff. Where's that? Huh? From. Uh... Speak up. <laughs> Whenever I think of that, all I think of is uh, Wild Wild West. The, yeah. the, 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 oh, <laughs> the, yeah. The, the, the Confederate general. general the Confederate with the, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Uh, so moving on to Ellen Brody, uh, Lorraine Gar- Gary, uh, of course, made famous for playing Ellen Brody in Jaws 4, not this movie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Uh, uh, I really like her, uh, her and Brody's relationship. I think that they have such a, like, <laughs> you, uh, you want to get drunk and fool around, uh, yeah. like one of my favorite quotes in the movie. Um, I, I, I love, I love how she can understand her husband and what he's going through. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like she knows how to like kind of manipulate her husband's mood to like try and get him on the up when he's de- dealing with something like awful like he is. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> or the when she tries to stop him from pouring the wine, <laughs> <laughs> he's just glug 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 into the glass. Um, really very... natural chemistry. Like yeah, they feel yeah, like yeah, an old very... married couple. It's nice. It's it's very believable. Like like the that's part of what I think makes the movie so effective is that everything is so believable. Yeah, yeah. Which like, is I, I believe that these are real dudes. <laughs> Admittedly, yeah. that's what makes the ending so funny. When like the ending is not a reconciliation <laughs> with like him and his wife. 
who he's been missing for days on the boat. It's like him and his homie. And they're like, come on, bud. Let's get back to shore. Um, yeah, I, I like her. I like her in this movie. Uh, I don't like her in Jaws 4, but that's a different conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I, I like her in this movie. I think she, like, like once again, she plays off of, uh, of uh, Martin very, very, very well. And uh, yeah, like you said, they're believable as, mm. as a couple. Um, um, so moving on to some of the other uh, smaller characters. So we've got uh, Murray Hamilton as uh, Mayor Vaughn. Um, man, he's a scumbag. I hate him. What a dirtbag. <laughs> Lo- love to hate him. You know what I mean? Beautiful like, dirtbag. Very bag. much. <laughs> Uh, he is uh, a perfect encapsulation of uh, the modern day politician that is way more concerned about money than about the yep. safety of the people that elected him into office. Lots uh, of uh, lots of memes with him back uh, with our previous president. Oh uh, yes, mm-hmm. I saw memes with him all the freaking time. Yeah, uh, for sure. <laughs> yeah, he uh, you know like he's really the reason this like spirals out of control so fast. Uh, because his whole thing is that he's subservient to the, the, the big donors, uh, the wealthy class of people who own like hotels and such in the area that want to have this 4th of July weekend go off without a hitch. So they can get that sweet summer money. Uh, and so he demands the beaches kept, uh, be kept open. But unfortunately that leads to, uh, a child getting, uh, remember the bed scene from, uh, which Nightmare on Elm Street was it? When like first one, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Johnny like, Depp gets eaten by the bed. Yeah, and the whole <laughs> the blender of blood thing happens. Well, that <laughs> happens to a child because of him. That happens to a and a, then a, a little boy. That old yep. man gets trampled afterwards. It's a whole mess, you know. Yep. Oh boy, it's uh, real bad. Yeah, he 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 is. Yeah, he is definitely the reason that all of this goes down yeah. wrong. Um and uh, turbo yeah, like, bag because it, he only like relents to actually try and like. You know, when it's his kids, kill the shark. Um, uh, yeah, when he's like, my kids could have been harmed. You know, <laughs> um, so he's very believable in that role. Oh sure. yeah, like yeah. I said, love to hate him. Um, so uh, yeah. Um, so okay, so some of these are very quickly. Uh, so uh, this one is just kind of funny. So he has a major role in the book, but he doesn't have a major role in the movie. But it is interesting because he is actually the writer of this movie is cast in a role in this film. Okay. Uh, so Carl Gottlieb uh, plays Meadows, who is the uh, mustached uh, newspaper paper writer guy that uh, Brody talks to on several occasions about the uh the the you know like oh she's writing to out of out of state papers and stuff yeah he's the one that gives that line so like i said in the book he has a big role so when he talks about it it, it's kind of funny he's like one of the hardest things to do as a writer and an actor is write your part smaller and smaller and smaller (laughs) Mm -hmm. as you go along and that's literally what happened to him is he every time he wrote a new like yeah version of a scene he was like oh uh, my character doesn't need to be there yeah Um, but he's still he's still in the movie um and it still works out pretty well Uh, it's pretty funny though uh of course then we have uh the the deputy i just want to mention him real quick uh as hendrix uh jeffrey kramer is the actor's name Hmm. um uh he plays the kind of like uh dopey deputy kind of (laughs) what a beauty Uh, yeah what an Uh, absolute gem of a man once again uh shows up in jaws 2 has a much bigger role in jaws 2 um very very fun um 
just a shout out to her because she, of course, she made the iconic moment of this movie. Uh, Susan uh, Backlean uh, as Chrissy uh, from the beginning of the film. Uh, mm. She was the one that was getting horribly pulled by wires underneath the water. Oh, uh, yeah. Eating her. Uh, she's a stunt actress or she was a stunt actress. I don't know if she's still alive, but uh, she uh, she was a stunt actress. So she was like. Because they were originally going to pull her with like a boat, like or a motor, oh, and like, and she was like, no. And so they no, came, I will certainly up, be killed by that. <laughs> yeah, she came up with a uh, a release system for her harness that if she ever felt like she was in danger, she could just like quickly release the harness so yeah. she could get out. Wow. Uh, but uh, but yeah, so she did a phenomenal job at the beginning of this movie setting up the tone. For yes. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so I just wanted to give her a call out. Uh, I also wanted to sh- say this because I didn't know the word for it, but. Uh, it's an estuary. It was the is the name of the the little pond that they go to. Uh, oh, the little, like a horse. Well, that's, <laughs> that's what that is. It's estuary. Uh, anyway, um, so I, I have to talk about this not because I want to talk about the actor, but uh, actress or actors. Uh, it's just a really funny story that goes along with this movie. Um, so you have uh, Mrs. Kittner and Alex Kittner, right? The little boy that's the first to get killed. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so hilarious trivia story for this movie is that the actress for the film several decades later uh walked into a seafood restaurant and noticed that the the menu had an alex kittner sandwich on it (laughs) and she mentioned that she had played his mother in the film so many years ago and the owner of the restaurant ran out immediately to meet her and it was none other than the actor who played her son oh the restaurant and so Uh. they had not seen each other since the movie was filmed so it was this like weird, just like that's fun. Out of nowhere. It's a fun I little love that little that's anecdote. Super cute, yeah. Um, you guys. Um. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so moving away from the actors, and we're, we're going to get to Bruce next. But I have to give a little bit more context and talk about some of the production before we get to Bruce. So, uh, the the story that I keep mentioning that is the basis for this movie, um, is the Jersey Shore shark attacks, uh, from 1916. They actually mention it directly in the film. Uh, Hooper brings it up. Um, so it, it literally is as scary as it is, as it sounds. Uh, in, in 1916, between July mm-hmm. 1st and July 12th, five people were attacked along the coast of New Jersey by a, a shark. Um, and uh, only one of the victims survived. Um, so they, uh, the shark actually, the, the scariest thing about this is the shark actually went into uh like into, a little bit up into a river oh yeah i was it, gonna say it, into it someone's house to, <laughs> it went into someone's house with a gun <laughs> yeah so it, it actually went up to, uh yeah went up into uh like river which is the reference to the estuary um mm. but oh, um and uh yeah i mean uh it was uh it was a terrible terrible incident it was a great white shark um, was it? And, yeah, I thought I, I thought the thing was that it was a uh, a bull no, shark. So they thought it was a bull shark, but when they caught the shark, it was a great white. Good God! Oh. Yeah. So it's it's directly like once again, it's directly a reference. Um, and uh, just as a, as a further further reference, um, so it turns out, uh, so when 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 he was writing the book, he did this on purpose. So the deaths in Jaws line up with the shark attack from 1916 so Ooh. it's it, it lines up exactly so it's uh first uh first a beachgoer died just around like a, a teenager uh then a, a kid or then a dog then a kid 
and then uh, to line up with the guy who gets killed in the estuary, uh, him getting his leg bit off is oh. actually a reference because that's what happened to the the guy. Yeah, so good guy. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, uh, bled to death in a beachfront hotel. Yeah. So, so okay, yeah. So technically, Cameron, you are a little right. So the shark that they found and caught was a great white. But yeah, that's what I'm reading. But they said that it's it, unclear. It, yeah, yeah, because the thing is, is by the time they caught it, they couldn't do what they do in this movie where they cut it open to see if there was, you know, uh, people bits in there. Yeah. yeah so it remains. It's oh. very yeah, it's very questionable of which kind of uh, which kind of shark it was. But eh, it could be both. Yeah. It could be one or the other. It doesn't really matter. The point is, is that that is the story that spawned Jaws. Yeah. Uh, and there is there's a couple of great books about this this uh, attack. If you are interested, uh, there's one of them that I read when I was in uh, high school. That is a kind of a not a dramatization, but uh, it, it is a nonfiction kind of written like a novel. So it's mm-hmm. it's very it's like it it they did the research. Everything is exactly like it was, uh, but like it's still a, it's a novelization. So it's actually got some like you know scary stuff in it a little 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 bit of scary like for the shark attack and stuff like that instead of it just reading like a instead of it just reading like a uh like a you know oh this is what happened um yeah but anyway um so production of this movie (laughs) notoriously we all know some of the stories but uh this movie when it went into production was hell uh so the shark they had three different bruces um and it worked before they took it out there. Like everything worked when they tested it. And then once they took it and started trying to use it in the water, uh, it just didn't, it didn't work. Um, the diesel so, engine ran out. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and it just, it just, it just wouldn't work. And so notoriously, of course, what we all know from that is that they had to rewrite a lot of this movie and re rethink how this movie was filmed because there was a lot more shark in the original version of this movie, but they literally could not use the shark prop. Yeah. So they had to come up with how can we show the shark is there without the shark being there. Yeah. And so that's how you get so many great moments of this movie. Like I brought mm-hmm. up the, the barrels. Um, that's how you have uh, like the dock sequence where the guy yeah. throws out his holiday roast to the dock turns around and starts chasing <laughs> after the guys he's swimming. it's 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 fucking tense yeah. like it's like oh jesus like <laughs> what like the shark is right on his tail you don't know where it is but it's right yeah. on his tail it yeah. makes yeah. it makes a shark a mythical thing you know yeah and it makes yeah. the focus the human drama as opposed to you know anything like like the, it's not it's not a shock it's like special effects movie it's a drama no. yeah. creature feature you know yeah yeah exactly and uh yeah so it was so just as a hint of how badly this went uh principal photography was originally scheduled to take 55 days oh once again to try and get it under that acting because they were like i said there was supposed to be an acting strike um it did not wrap till october 6 1974 after 159 days (gasps) of shooting so they went a hundred and four extra days. Of Good golly, this movie—that's brutal. Uh, so yeah, and and none of the actors were allowed to leave because <laughs> they because any day the shark could start working again, and then they would be <laughs> back on schedule. So they all had to stay. Um, and so uh, any day now, Bruce is gonna turn it around. Come on, Bruce. 
so during uh, during the movie, of course, uh, most people obviously can spot this like, from a mile away. In 1974, it was a little bit more like you were in awe of the shark animatronics. So, uh, but of course, there is some real shark footage in this movie. There is a yeah. great white shark footage shot in this movie, uh, shot by Ron and Valerie Taylor yeah. uh, down in South Australia. Uh, which mm-hmm. Ron and Valerie Taylor are legends for shooting an amazing documentary about basically the first footage of the great white shark ever released, you know, ever caught on film. Um, anyway, so they shot, so they had, so they had two, two ways that there were three ways that they were shooting this footage out in the, in South Australia. So they had, of course, a miniature cage Yeah, and they had a, like a dummy, like a, like a, like a little, little dummy that was, you know, in, in proportion and into scale as, um, uh, for, for, uh, uh, Hooper, yeah, and then they also had a little person who also would go into the miniature cage to be uh, Hooper. Okay. Um, now, what's funny is is that uh, they don't use a lot of that footage because a lot of it was just the shark swimming around. Yeah. But funny enough, the the big moment that actually is a real shark in the movie that uh, really did get caught on camera was at one point they had the cage was empty, there was nothing inside of it, and the shark uh, got caught at the top of where the crane connected to the shark cage. Yeah. And it was a big male, great white shark and it freaked out. And so it started thrashing and it started ripping the cage to shreds by just like throwing its weight against it. And they were capturing the whole thing. And like, uh, Ron, Ron Taylor was down underwater filming. Yeah. And he was just like, like literally watching in awe as this, as the shark was just ripping this cage to shreds and it falling to the bottom of the ocean. Gee um, and so the great white was fine. It, it got out once, once the cage hit the ground, bottom of the, the, the water, it just swim away. Yeah. But like shark wasn't injured at all. But, uh, the problem was, is that Cooper in the script at that point was still supposed to die. <laughs> uh, and they didn't want to not use that footage because it was so just like dramatic and (laughs) awe inspiring of like, Whoa, like the sharks destroying the cage. So that's when they decided to make it that Hooper got out of the cage and swam away and survived (laughs) was because they wanted to use that real shark footage. Yeah. Um, which once again, you totally, it, it totally makes sense like that they would want to keep that because it's amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, so they also shot, um, some of that uh, that sequence uh, as well in a pool. In notoriously, this is hilarious because it's the the editor of this film. Uh, she had she had a pool in her backyard. There was a big, big, big pool. Um, and this editor, I, I forget her name, but she was one of the most famous editors in the seventies and eighties. Um, but anyway, they shot they shot some of it with like a portion of the orca, like that they shipped into her backyard, <laughs> and her pool was deep enough that they could they could sink the the shark. Uh, animatronic. It's a shark part of you know, like the smallest one of the three. Yeah, into it, and that's how they shot some of the aspects of it uh, <laughs> later on. And you could totally tell too, because like, it, if you look closely enough, it when the when Bruce is like, like charging into the cage, you can see the wall of like a swimming pool, like behind. Oh yeah, it's, you just see the white of like a wall of a swimming pool behind them. Anyway, it's just cool little. Isn't little it great? <laughs> Um, I, love, I love seeing stuff like that. <laughs> oh, I can see the I can see the the seam in the screen that they projected this on on the soundstage. <laughs> um, 
So Rob and I were actually talking about another thing that uh, that is a, a good uh, thing to bring up here as well, um, is that um, there were a couple of scenes that actually do have film from them that they actually had to change because of uh, because of ratings later on. Oh yeah. Uh, so there are two moments where the film. Well, there's three, but one of them wasn't a was a was a just to get a good scare. Um, so. First one is the leg of the guy that gets uh, chopped off when the shark kills him. Uh, there is a longer shot of it bouncing on the bottom of the wall, like the the the, the sandbar, um, mm-hmm. and it stayed in frame just long enough that like the re- editing or the rating people were like, "That's too violent." Um, then the other one that they had to reshoot like three times uh, to get the right timing for it is uh, the guy's head. Um, I can't remember the Ben Gardner name. jump scare. Ben Gardner, yeah, the Ben Gardner yeah. jump scare. And Ben Gardner is also the guy that I was talking about with Quint, by the way. The Craig Kingsbury is the guy that um, they they modeled a lot of Quint after. But anyway, yeah, uh, yeah, his his head coming through the the hole of the boat. The uh, they had to retime that because uh, one time that they showed it didn't get any like jumps at all. Uh, and then like they, so they went back and they reshot it again. They were like, maybe this will work better. And they, so they reshot it. And, and then, uh, then it was, uh, another tweak of it with the music because they wanted the musical cue to hit at a different spot so that people have that second to be scared before the music starts up. Um, which soundtrack is the whole other thing that we're going to talk about later. I'm sure. Oh yeah. Uh, <laughs> But uh, but anyway, and then the third, the final third thing, and this was the one that actually Rob brought up and, and might bring up again um, in yeah. his next favorite moment, uh, is uh, is the death of Quint, which I'll let Rob describe, and then I'll go into it in more detail. In the, oh, yeah. uh, it's, but um, but before we move to least favorite and favorite moments, I think we can talk about Bruce really quickly. Bruce, um, mm-hmm. Bruce, my boy Bruce, Bruce, Bruce? who uh, is named after uh, Steven Spielberg's lawyer at the time. Yeah, uh, you're scared for brave. Shark, like a lawyer. Uh, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, yes, so Bruce. So there were three different Bruces uh, made, all working in various, like, basically the same way. Uh, so it was a giant, like, crane, essentially, where the shark was kind of, like, on a swivel. Oh. Um, on one, like, one shark was... Uh, you could see it from, uh, you could film it from the left side. The other shark you could film from the right side. And there was one that didn't have as much detailed, like animatronic, like servos and stuff that was closed on both sides. Um, so the the one that was closed on both sides was, of course, for the ones where you could see the shark from above, where you couldn't have like wires and shit coming out the side. Yeah. But the other two were filmed for the specific, like, oh, this is from the right side of the shark, so we can see it from this side. Um, and all the wires would leave from the left side. Um, so uh, I think the most important thing to note here is <laughs> people bring about, obviously, when you talk about Jaws, everybody's like, the shark looks fake. Um, it's funny because it does, it doesn't look like a great white shark, except when it does, because we've seen <laughs> back, back when this movie came out, we hadn't seen like the, like the diversity of what great white sharks can look at, yeah. look like. But there's that one great white that was just recently uh, like tracked and filmed. That is the largest great white like in recorded like history. That is like 30 feet long and is like 
really a heavy, heavy girl. Whoa, it's the kind of thing that you look at and you think exactly to yourself, like this can't be right. Uh-oh. She looks like Bruce, though, so, because she's stocky like Bruce is. So oh. it's like interesting that it's like, technically, it's not that inaccurate, even though it is a little bit. But anyway, um, uh, someone described like what Bruce looks Shark. like. Shark. <laughs> shark. Light blue uh, skin, okay, so white belly, I, shark, big so teeth. I pulled this up. Chomp, chomp, got, shark. There you go. I got Bruce on one side and a great white shark on the other. Oh, okay. And uh, compared to like the real deal, or at least like what most people think of, yeah. when, you, when you, you know, your your archetypal great white shark, Bruce is a little stockier. He's a little whiter. Uh, he's got jaws that spring open. Um, and then, yeah, he's he's also got almost like um, the the forward-facing T-Rex eyes. Oh, yeah, he does. Like, especially when he kind of leaps up onto the boat oh. <laughs> uh, just before he really gives it to Quint. His just really goes to town on Yeah, his jaws are just kind of flapping, and it's almost like he's looking forward. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I found uh, I found a picture of her. I'm gonna send it in the chat because uh, she's a she's a chonky girl. Please do uh, see this big lady. There you go. Uh, but uh, but yeah, um, yeah. Oh. She yeah. Bruce definitely has. Um, he's like his biggest difference. Like you're saying, he's very stocky in the face. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got a big. His mouth is like almost wider than uh, a normal shark. It's like it's like twice. Oh, I remember it, I. <laughs> Real quick, I think it's worth mentioning. So the uh, the the shark in these pictures, uh-huh. uh, she's pregnant at the time of taking these pictures. She is. So we're, yeah, she's very pregnant. Uh, so her body is a little a little sausagey. But even but even her front her face is very stocky compared to most other pictures of great whites. Like she's yeah. got a very flat face. But yeah, anyway, so regardless, um, Bruce is uh, twenty five feet long. Very specifically, twenty five feet long because they thought thirty feet was too big and they thought twenty feet was too small. So they were like, let's go oh, right in the there. There you go. Um, right in the middle. Good work, boys. Uh, uh, obviously, the other way that Bruce was brought to life is, of course, just a simple boat rig that is the fin, the, t- the dorsal fin and the tail fin that goes above the water. Oh. Um, and then, uh, yeah, the rest of it was that big, the big old three puppets, uh, three animatronics. Um, and uh, yeah, Bruce, of course, if you're if you're a fan of uh, Pixar movies, you may be like Bruce. Like that sounds familiar. Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. So they named the Great White. Find uh, after Jaws. Uh, most people don't get that reference. I mean, it's staring you right in the face, but most people don't don't notice it. Um, <laughs> yeah. I did but, uh, because I was an insufferable child. Yeah, I I, I instantly was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, so okay, so one of the things that I I, I wanted to talk about with Bruce uh, specifically is, um, so. One of the most challenging aspects with Bruce was the jumping on the back of the boat, um, which is which was in the script from the very get go. But it was yeah. the thing that oh, made yeah. most people go like that. That's how you can't do that. What are you going to do? Stop motion? Like, that's not going to work. <laughs> how are we like, going to get that shark uh, on that boat? But uh, so that that was a thing that a lot of uh, they, they had actually had a really hard time finding a special effects company to build these rigs. Because most turned it down immediately when they read that scene. They were just like, oh, we're, "We're not doing that." Uh, and then uh, the guy that they got to do it, like he was, it was funny because he was just like, "Yeah, I can make that work." <laughs> like everybody else was like, "Nope, not even, not even once." And this guy not was just like, "Try that." 
first conversation was like, I'll figure it out. (laughs) How bad, how hard could it be? (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Um, but, uh, yeah, uh, some, some good stuff there. Um, my, well, I, yeah, we're about to get favorite moments, so I'll, I'll say it there. So, uh, mm-hmm. let's, let's move into favorite moments. Um, sure. favorite, least favorite, I guess. Um, <clears throat> do we want to start negative? Because I think there's a few negative things that we have, but it's not like a lot. Mine um, is such a, a weird nitpick that is right at the tail end of the movie. Yours is an ethereal concept that happened after the movie. Cameron, yes, do you yeah. have anything? I mean, mine's also, I had to really, really search for something, <laughs> search for something yeah. to not like, like I had to really pick my brain apart It is because I mean, not just, is it not just because I mean, it's obviously it's a pretty good movie. It's a good, it's a um, good film. Yeah. But I've also just, I've, I've seen it a few times and I've absolutely <laughs> loved it each time. So I've built it up in my mind as the like perfect summer film. <laughs> yep. Um, I don't know. Some of the, well, the when we actually see Bruce, it really hasn't aged that well. Yeah, let's let's just do least favorite then, because I, I think we yeah. can we can hit this real. So Cameron, go ahead and continue into your thought there, and then I'll, yeah. Then I mean, go. again, everything is is framed so well, so the effect is still there, mm-hmm. but like just looking at it without the context of the rest of the film. Yeah, uh, you know, the first time Bruce pops his his big dopey head out of the water. And gets oh. chum splashed across his big old nose. Ow. Uh, <laughs> damn it. Ah, damn it. Oh, I'm going to get you for this. Um, and just, yeah, his spring-loaded jaws. He just, he looks kind of silly. Um, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Which, I, I mean, think... most most monsters looked a little silly in the 70s. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that makes me, like, really not mind how fake he looks sometimes is that, like, I consider him a monster, not a great white shark. Yeah. yeah, which is why I think, uh, which is why I think a, a remake of this movie wouldn't work because yeah. I feel like they would just make him a normal great white, and it's like no, yeah. no, 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 no. Like he's Bruce. He has a very distinct look to him. Like he's not. He's absolutely great. Bruce. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's got. He's got a look to him. So I, I, I feel like, and I, I do agree with you though. I, I think the one, like, the one scene. Yeah, it's not that one that bothers me the most. It's the um. It's when he pops up and he's chewing on the the ropes of the oh, barrel. Yeah, I think he looks. Is that again? It's very like. Kong, 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 kong. He's like, yeah, he's just kind of like sitting straight up out of yeah. the water. Nom 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 nom. Yeah. And of course, the, like because he's a because he's in a, a movie from this era, he's got like roars going on and all sorts very, of. Stuff. Yeah. It's very hand puppet. Suddenly, yes, you know, yes. yeah, it's it's very like much. something that I would do to try to you know make one of my four year olds laugh, like. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't think it's I don't think it's ever enough to like take you out of the movie. Like, because yeah. oh, I oh no, absolutely this, not. Because I've shown this movie to like people who have never seen it that like are like you know young, like you know like in their twenties and stuff, and they were like yeah. they walked away like not talking about the shark at all. So yeah. like, I mean, the again, fact that nobody talks about the shark, I had to, shark, I had to really look for something <laughs> to yeah. shred it. You, so that's the closest I can come to something well, that you, I think isn't perfect. Yeah. But again, I, now I'm sitting here thinking about like, well, but because the rest of the movie builds it up so well. Exactly. You you kind of yeah. said it too, because like, yeah, the the whole the fact of the matter is the the movie builds up to the shark so well that like you don't. It's it's a little fake looking, but it's like it's still kind of earned that it's this weird monster at the end. So it's like, all yeah. right, well, it's still about to kill our three heroes. So. 
Um, and you have yeah, no idea if he's going to survive in this movie, to be fair. so That also just, that really got me as a neurodivergent kid whose special interest was sharks. Yeah. Because, like, he pops up and, like, it, it, it fits in a way because he doesn't look like a great white shark, but he also hasn't been acting like a great white shark. <laughs> he's just kind of been doing yep. whatever. It just seems to be just tearing people apart Which, for the fun of it. Uh, segues to my my least favorite thing about this movie. Oh, beautiful. Uh, and I don't know if you did that on purpose, but I know you know what my least favorite thing is. is um, I accidentally so, did it on purpose. <laughs> yeah, there so, you go. My least favorite thing is it's 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 more what this movie did for shark or did against shark conservation. Oh yeah, for a yeah. long time. Um, and it's one of the it literally is one of those things that like you know Peter Benchley has gone on the record saying like if he had known yeah that his book was going to be this popular he never would have written it oopsie uh, poopsie um because but and like I I know it's it's one of those double edged swords though because that's the thing is. Like it, it set shark conservation back so far, but then it also did the reverse because it also did people. There are lots of people uh, that study sharks that study sharks because of Jaws, like mm-hmm. because it's it's what inspired them. You know, it it is um, even if it made them afraid when they were ki- a kid, like it's still what inspired them to go into studying mm-hmm. sharks. I mean, hell, I almost went into studying sharks too because I, I I love. I love sharks, uh, yeah. but one, uh, of the, one of the best ways to get over being afraid of something is to understand it better. Yep. And unfortunately, that's uh, what happened after to fear movie. it more and then shoot at it. Yeah, that's, fear it more that's, and then shoot at it with a machine gun from your boat. Um, that's what happened after this movie. Um, a lot of uh, mass uh, mass fishing of sharks, killing a lot of sharks. Um, yeah. you know, shark fin soup uh, or literally just just poaching sharks in general became mm-hmm. a big Big, big, big problem in the 80s and the 90s. Um, it's it's not so much a problem now. Um, things like, honestly, things like Shark Week and stuff, like to really reintroduce what sharks are to the public, uh, really did well, help a lot. Well, I mean, recently Shark Week has kind of turned I'm back on 90s. itself. I'm, talk, I'm talking 90s Shark Week. I'm oh, when Shark like, Week was when good. It first started. Yeah. It was like, look how incredible these creatures are instead of being like, actual is this shark a serial killer. Yeah. <gasps> when it was bum, actual bum. documentaries, like, you know, uh, Air Jaws is a good example of one that was really big deal. Like, oh, showing yeah, that, that great whites great. can, like, jump out of the water and, uh, ironically, just like in Jaws. Yeah. Uh, so, um, but, um, yeah, so that's that's my least favorite thing. I, I love this movie to death. I honestly don't really have any least favorite moments. I have like one line delivery from Hooper that I've I've never been a fan of is whenever he holds up the arm uh of the uh of Chrissy and he goes, This is what happens. And it doesn't have like have any dialogue that leads into it or after it. Like it's just like a weird edit cut that they did, and I don't know why it's there. Yeah. Uh, but it's not but it's not like a least favorite moment. It's just like a weird, just like why did he film it like that? You know, kind of one of those moments. Uh, but um, I feel like it was probably like day 149. And they were mean, like, yeah, yeah. oh, well, let's reshoot the scene real quick. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I think that, yeah, the impact that Jaws had on on uh, fishery and sharks, you know, it, sharks like like the great white that are, you know, they're they're. I think they've just gotten out of uh, endangered, I think, recently. I think great whites are now out like on that 
the step above endangered, I think. I could be wrong. Maybe they're uh, vulnerable. Yeah. Vulnerable. Yeah, they're vulnerable now, not endangered, which is great. That's which a big is, step. Hey, good news. Um, that's a really big step. Uh, but yeah, as uh, of August 18th, 2020, they have been moved to vulnerable species. Hey. Yeah. So, so that's 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 a really good, really good step, obviously. But uh, and, you know, to, to letting people know that, like, you know, sharks that honestly, the funniest thing is, is tiger sharks and bull sharks are more deadly than great whites by a large so we margin. should be killing mm. them <laughs> almost uh, got me mr shark uh, almost but got no me. It, it's very almost. true though uh great whites literally like i like i said with the kittner uh killing earlier in the movie uh they really only attack things that they think is their food which is seals mm-hmm. um yeah. and great and whites I also really just test they, a lot of the time yeah too. yeah exactly that's what i was that's what i was just about to bring up most uh shark attacks are one bite which yep. unfortunately is a bite from a very big mouth, but still, yeah. they just come up and they give us a little I'll... chomp and they're like, ew, and yeah, they swim gross. away. That's uh, not a seal. But bull gross. sharks and tiger sharks are notorious though, because they, they are, uh, they frenzy very easily. Mm. Uh, yeah. Bull sharks are just mean. I don't know yeah, what their problem mean. is. <laughs> um, but uh, funny story uh, real quick before Rob goes into his, uh, I actually uh, have a direct shark experience. Uh, I was, uh, I was down in South Padre and I, uh, I was, I was out further than I should have been. And it was kind of like really low light evening, not light, mm. low light. Like I, it was still like sunset. Like I, I could still see um, yourself up, my man. Yeah. Uh, so I, 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 I literally got, uh, bumped back about three feet in the water. Uh, and I know it was a shark, because oh, I know what shark skins feels like. I know oh. the skin shark, uh, the skin feels like sandpaper. Uh, nice. so, like, hey, you're not supposed to be out here, little hey, buddy. Yeah, give me a little boost back. Get shark. out of here, kid. Uh, <laughs> there yeah, you go, kid. <laughs> I didn't see. Like, right. I didn't actually see a fin. It wasn't as dramatic as that. But um, I did. Like, I immediately, of course, I slowly went back to the the shore because I know sharks, you know, will attack things that move fast. Because mm-hmm. I know sharks well enough at that point. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, my skin on my stomach, uh, was, uh, was red from the, <laughs> from the actual, uh, like the actual, yeah. like sandpaper, uh, skin on my, a little, uh, my bit of those, little bit of those dermal denticles. Yeah. Oh. Uh, so yeah, that was a, that was a fun experience when I was younger. Uh, but it didn't make me afraid of sharks. I love sharks. Uh, hey. uh completely, but, uh, and I, once again, I think for me, like knowing sharks even a little bit, I knew I was in the wrong place. Like I should not have been out that far. Like mm-hmm. the sea also, is not the domain of man. We, it's not it is, my, yeah, exactly. It is pure hubris that we ever built a boat. Frankly, I am, I am a little, I'm a little tiny human in your, your, your Same home. I'm sorry. <laughs> so. But, uh, but anyway, uh, Rob, go into yours. Yeah, that's the, oh, uh, yeah. Um, the last 15 minutes of this movie have some pacing problems. Uh, you can tell they wanted to wrap it up. I don't know if the editor wanted to wrap it up or the film crew or what, but <laughs> there's there's this weird pacing issue that I kept noticing in the last like really 20 minutes of the movie. Um, and at first is really apparent with Quint's death scene. And I don't mm-hmm. know how to describe this, but either it should have been slower and more drawn out right. or it should have been more know. sudden and shocking. Um, the, 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 the exact rhythm that they managed to hit feels a little bit like slapstick of like, there's a slight angle on the boat and he goes, whoop, <laughs> like slides down. And then like a little slide whistle in there. Whoop, 
and then he's got he's holding his machete, which we saw him you know plant into the yep. side of the boat. And he does a few wackadoodles on uh, on old Brucey's face, and then right, he gets right the side. Yeah, and then he gets chomp chomp, cough up blood, done. Um, yep. Either he should have been at the edge of the boat, like towards the back, when Bruce first jumped up and it should have been immediate like he you know gets yep. uh, you know uh, yeah he gets uh <laughs> crunchitized <laughs> he got yeah uh which we'll be talking about frankly in the next uh review so uh mm. <laughs> um but yeah like you know chomp uh it should have been something yep. immediate oh my gosh you know and he doesn't even have time to retaliate or it should have been like you know you're try to kill my boat and you see him grab the thing and like try yeah. and like go in yeah. really and then lose the his balance yeah lose his balance Which... and then get chomped and then like you know yeah. start like you know panicking and then like slowly like the dread sets in yeah which uh, is the tidbit that i told you before yeah. we started is that there is a longer version of him getting eaten by bruce that yeah. actually did exist it was the third version third scene that they had to cut for uh rating because it, it was longer, more drawn out. You yeah. saw him actually grab the machete, stab him a few times. Yeah. Whereas in the movie that we have, he literally, you don't yep. see him grab the machete. <laughs> he just has it when it cuts to it. Uh, which, it, I mean, you get it. Like your your you visual know, memory of him. Yeah. Your visual memory of him stabbing it into the side of the boat. Is there. You know yeah. that that's where it was there. Like you get it. But it, there was a longer version of it yeah. that did exist. So it was always supposed to be a longer version, not a shorter version. Um, there was actually another part of that that uh, I'll just throw this in here because it's just another random piece of knowledge that I know. Um, so remember, he talks about how in the Indianapolis, she's like, I'll never put on a life vest again. Uh, so there was a moment where he was also after he stabs Bruce. Yeah, they didn't film this. He was actually going to grab onto a life jacket. Oh. Uh, and it was gonna it was gonna betray him like he was gonna grab onto it to try and get leverage to pull himself up oh. and it was gonna slip and that's how he was gonna finally fall into the jaws. okay um, Man, that's good that yeah been... it's another it would have been a fun moment i think yeah but uh yeah. but yeah they didn't they never filmed that uh, mm. that's just one that um there's a storyboard for it uh um, oh, i can see that yeah that would have been fun <laughs> um and then also just like the the dramatic conclusion i made fun of it earlier where it's just like <laughs> like <laughs> hooper just bloop, pops back up and it's like hey anyway you hey, see bro. those barrels over there all right well, maybe those can get us back to land <laughs> and then like the credits roll and it feels like very almost like after like a really cool action scene of like you know <laughs> yeah. bow, and then you get the big explosion whoa and then, All like, right, it just kind of, like, it de- it deflates too suddenly. Uh, those are the two, and it's pacing issues that happen only at the very, very end. And I think I only noticed it because of how perfect the pacing of the first 90% of the movie is, you know? Mm-hmm. So no, yeah, I no, I I I agree. I think uh, I think there it is a little wonky. Um, I, honestly, the thing that always gets me is um. Like the Chekhov's gun is set up extremely well for the air tank. Oh yeah, because you see yeah. it in the boat earlier. Then they literally talk about it when they get onto the boat for the first time, and he almost like he, he pulls the wrong thing, and it like, you know, they're like, if you're gonna screw up with one of these things, it's gonna blow up. <laughs> yeah, you know, like they they set it up really really well. Um, but uh, I always thought it was really funny because yeah, Quint gets killed, and then Brody immediately goes inside, and the shark just is like. I'm going to burst through the side of the boat now. And then he just like shoves the tank and then he like scrambles up and then he shoots the, like shoots the tank. It's like very quick. Like there's no, like 
<laughs> like Brody just kind of like scrambles yeah. up out of the boat like very quickly, and it's just like boom, 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 boom. Yeah. So like for me, that's what that's what always seemed a little rushed for me. Was it seems it's, it's, very like yeah. <laughs> It, it really right, is we're like the, we're at the end of the movie now. We got okay, to go. Okay, we got to. Yeah, we got to go. Okay, let's <laughs> yeah. just do it. Okay, you got the gun now. You're gonna shoot it. Okay, cool. Yeah. It, it does. Yeah, uh, like the pacing suddenly picks up really, really yes. fast. Um, for what has been so methodical up to again that that twenty minute mark, you start to notice it. Yeah. Uh, and it could be that they just like you know, man, we're almost at the end of the movie. Let's just get this done. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I don't think they shot in sequence though, so no, maybe it's no. like the editor was just like, ah, I mean, no, whatever. Honestly, some of it might have been the shark still. It well, might have been yeah. like, oh crap, we you know like the shark's barely working. Like, oh <laughs> yeah. god, we got yeah, we, we can only do just, this much. <laughs> we gotta yeah. power through this, man. Um, hey, speaking of power through, do you want to uh, talk about favorite. our favorite moments? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, yes okay, so. I have a lot of favorite moments. I have one in particular that I would really like to give a shout out to. Sure. Because it's going to be the uh, the After Dark image that I use on uh, on oh. the, the Patreon. Um, so one of my favorite shots from this movie is one that I don't think gets talked about enough. Um, and it's actually our first actual look at Bruce. Um, and it is – so it's it's the estuary scene. So it's it's the – Bruce knocks over the two boats. Yeah. And we have uh, – Michael Brody and all of them scrambling to hold on to the little sailboat. Yeah. And the guy who gets killed um, is trying to gr- grab onto his little rowboat. Yeah. But it's this quick top down shot of Bruce barely visible underneath the oh, water yeah. coming up to kill him. And it's just a because the next scene you actually see Bruce like grabbing onto him and pulling him down. But it's that shot right before that that always gives me chills. It's just it just is it's. Mm-hmm frightening because it's the first time we get to see bruce it's he he looks realistic because he's he's coming from a side he's profile from the water. Yeah. So he's it's scary by the water to see things come it's out of the murk of water yeah yeah, yeah. It, it's that primal fear that we all have you know of like yeah you know so, i mean all, all all mammals have it right like it comes mm-hmm. from like you know living around animals that like literally hunt <laughs> from the water's edge like you go down to get some drinking water and a crocodile kills you yeah it's that primal primal like fear yeah, like we're 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 gonna die from something, and 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 it just that's that shot, just is just, it's my favorite shot in the entire movie. It's a very quick shot, um, but uh, you know I have plenty of other favorites. You know, like Indianapolis Beach, we've talked about it already. It's phenomenal. Um, it just the just the uh, you know so many great like Chekhov's gun stuff for like you know uh, the. The name of the ship is Orca because the Orcas are the only predators of the great white shark. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then the animal kingdom, uh, there's like lots of, lots of little things like that. But that, that one shot to me is just like peak, just like, mm, gives me mm. goosebumps. I've seen this movie a billion times. It gives me goosebumps every single time. Um, yeah. So who's going next? <laughs> um, mine's um, kind well, of towards the mid, the, like the beginning of the movie. So I guess I can throw mine in here. All right, yeah, mine's mine's more in the middle. Okay. Um so immediately after the first shark attack, uh we like have this conversation with the mayor where uh the mayor's like, "You don't shut anything down. What's wrong with you?" Uh and uh so our, you know, our our sheriff dude is now just like, "Oh man, well, okay, I guess I can't like do anything." But he's still aware that there's like something bad in the water just off the coastline. 
Um, so we we have this whole protracted sequence before the kid gets killed of of uh, of Brody sitting there on this beach. And that's where you get that like shot that everyone talks about the the, you know, that zoom uh, mm-hmm. like tracking shot where it's like, you know, like that. We'll talk about that more in detail. In a second. I, I'm sure. <laughs> um, but like, there's this, this moment where, uh, basically you're kind of cutting back and forth between like, you know, like the beachgoers and Brody and slowly what you like the, the story that's being told with the look of the cinema Visual. is how paranoid and how terrified, our main character is mm-hmm. and we get this like you know these and like you were talking about it earlier where there's like you have like characters in these you know bright colored bathing suits they run and like you cut mm-hmm. and you're a little bit closer and then like you cut back to him and the camera's a little bit closer boom 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 and the ca- the camera is getting closer to the water and closer to brody Mm-hmm. Um, and as you're draw like you're drawing up this dread of them, you know, of him experiencing this like growing tension of watching people play in the water where there is a killer and mm-hmm. knowing that mm-hmm. like, you know, I came Nobody to this island it. to protect people. Yeah, it, it's it sucks. And like, man, there's a lot of really good camera tricks there. But like that, the acting and the yeah. the delivery, the... the setup of that scene is perfect. The decision that Spielberg made to use the different colored bathing suits as the cuts yeah. of how to cut between the two shots. Because you could, he could have just like cut to Brody, cut to the ocean, cut to Brody, yeah. cut to the ocean, cut to Brody. But with the with the sweeping nature of the bathing suit shots yeah. that are not just in front of Brody, they're in front of the camera yeah. when it's looking at the water too. And he uses that as the way to, they're almost like, they're almost like wipes, like Star yeah. Wars wipes. Like it's literally like a wipe to go from one side, one scene to the other. But because it's a visual thing of a bathing suit, and we know that's you know he's on the beach, like he's yeah. paranoid about the water. Like it, mm-hmm. it really builds that tension. And then it's another it's another scene of overlapping dialogue where we're hearing uh, Ellen's conversation with the other two yeah. uh, the two people while this is happening, and it's not. So you're, they're oh. just having a mundane conversation while Brody is just like hyper fixated. Yeah. He's hyper fixated on mm-hmm. the water. There's um, one little camera trick I'll throw in right here. That is interesting. That is something you can't do with like the you know, old film photography, but you can kind of do with like a digital camera now. Uh, but like dual split focused where you have like a person comes like this old man gets right in Brody's face. And he's like, Hey, you, you need to deal with these kids are bothering me. Uh, and he's in focus and yes. then you oh, see this little shot. tiny blur where they've layered two different films together and the yeah. other film is where Brody is focused. He uh-huh. sees the like the island or uh, sees the kids playing in the water. Well, and it changes because because at first it's focused on the but, guy and yeah. then it rack focuses to yeah. the water uh, yeah. whenever but the girls both stay like, in. Yeah, yeah, in focus. And it's it's yeah. really interesting to show it's camera tricks to show the tension and perspective of a character. And that's super sick. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Yep. Cameron. And it gave us the, the dolly zoom. Yeah. Yeah. The push. push pull. Put in, yep. It push got put in every uh, jaws parody ever. And for good reason, <laughs> because it's one of the coolest things I think you could do with a camera. I oh, love man. it every time I see it. And especially in that scene. So, you know, how it's done, like, right? Huh? So you know how it's yes. done, right? Yes. So you uh, 
you have a if I'm oversimplifying this, I'm sorry. Kyle's the only <laughs> one who actually knows what he's talking about. I'll, I'll describe it in detail if you get it. <laughs> All right. So you uh, you have a camera on a on a dolly on a cart. Yeah. You pull the dolly back while zooming the camera in, and it gives this kind of effect of almost bringing the foreground closer while pushing the background away. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it can be done either way. Uh, so you can either push the zoom in and pull the dolly back or the other way around. Um, mm. Push the dolly forward while zooming out. It, it's, mm. it's, it's, it's the same generalized effect. It's just a different thing of like one way makes it so the character grows in frame yeah. and the background gets farther away. And the other mm. one makes the character get further away yeah. and the background pulls forward to kind of yeah. make the character smaller Shrink. one yeah. way. Versus the other way is to make the character bigger, which in this scene, it's to make the character bigger because he's pulling into the the horror of what's going on. So yeah, it pushes yeah. in. It is a perfect visual representation of the panic this man must start must be, must be feeling, feeling bubbling up in him. Yeah. It's so good, but it's, it's not my favorite. Mm. <laughs> Ironically, my my favorite scene is a jump scare. Yeah. And I hate jump scares. <laughs> I think they're boring and overdone. But this is uh, almost universally agreed to be the best jump scare in uh, <laughs> cinema history. It is uh, when they are investigating the sunken wreckage of Ben Gardner's boat. Yes. <laughs> um, and it, again, is just, ooh, it's it's timed perfect. I'll kind of like just briefly describe the scene. Uh, is, oh my God, who's... Hooper and Brody. Hooper and Brody. Yeah. Yeah. So they are uh, uh, diving. Hooper is diving and uh, kind of looking over the boat, trying to uh, looking for looking for clues. Almost. It's a little bit Scooby Doo. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, at, at just the perfect moment, he's just very casually, just like with a flashlight, just kind of like guiding the beam over the hull of the boat, and he sees a hole in the boat. And in the the timing of it is so perfect because every every single time I'm just <laughs> I'm not ready for it. It gets me every time. It's almost like the uh, the the defibrillator scene in the thing. Like, yeah, I know what's yeah. gonna happen, but every time it gets me. Um, but yeah, just and again in a very believable but very I don't know. It's not even sudden. It just kind of like casually yeah, the, drifts into frame like yeah that's the weirdest thing about it is it's it is a jump scare but it's not a traditional jump scare like a yeah, traditional jump like, scare bah. is like ah, yeah but this yeah. is like it just kind of rolls into frame because it's like off yeah it's like inside the boat and he's like he's looking at the tooth because that's the thing that draws him to the hole is he sees the white glint of the the tooth stuck in the side of the boat yeah and so he goes yeah. up to it and he's holding the great draws your focus in yeah in a very specific area yeah you're focused on the tooth not anything else and that's when the head rolls in and it scares hooper uh, yeah it gets it gets a good scare like that was the big thing like i said they reshot it and kind of re-edited it like several times because they wanted to get Ooh. it they wanted to get that good jump scare from like everybody and oh it. man they nailed it the music <laughs> sting is perfect oh, the, yeah. the 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 prop head has that just a a a perfect sort of waterlogged bloated fleshy look to it yep yeah it is uh and i mean this is high praise it's one of the worst things i've ever seen uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh if i if i saw that outside i would go home and never come out again <laughs> yeah um, 
it's just it's so unbelievably well executed Mm -hmm. in a way that literally no one has been able to do for me since then (laughs) yeah um yeah it's a it's a good scene it's a very good scene um yeah, I mean, like I said, to me, for me, this movie is just filled with with great, great mm-hmm. moments that it's it's really hard. There's so many, so many lines that I'm not going to be able to reference in this episode just because it's too much. And, you know, like there's just so much in this in this movie that is yeah, just we like, don't have time to quote. We don't the have a movie. Yeah, I don't have word. the whole time. But uh, what we can move on to is uh, cinematography. Uh, mm. and special effects. We've already done some talk about it, but I think, I think we do need to talk about some of it. Uh, <laughs> guys i'm gonna say it this is no actually i'm gonna backpedal a little bit no i'm gonna say uh, it this uh, is uh, my favorite movie to look at like it's just it is filmed so well mm-hmm. just the the like what uh, what rob was talking about with the beach scene about having the uh uh the, the different colored swimsuits for the cuts and it just they find more interesting ways to do what could be what could have been serviceable mundane shots. Yes. Everything in this movie film-wise feels like it has a purpose. Like every shot has a purpose. Every uh you know, like I said, it's it's one of, it's honestly one of the better examples of a Chekhov's gun that works in my opinion. We we recently I, I don't remember what movie it was. We talked about a Chekhov's gun that didn't work. Oh, the relic. Um yes, the relic, yeah. Um, and, uh, I, I think this one is just so well done at setting up the, you know, like I well, said, there's the, payoffs the, the for everything. There's payoffs, yeah, for, there's everything. payoffs yeah. for everything. Yeah. Everything that is built up is utilized. Uh, it's, you know, Brody sending Brody sending his son to the, to the estuary because yeah. he thinks that's going to be safe. Like, d- like deep down, you're like, no, it's not. No, <laughs> you're it's like, not. no, it's not. No, it's no, no. the least safe. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, it's just like everything plays to your expectations. Um, a, re- a really good example of that, honestly, is um, uh, the uh, the we talked about it briefly, but the chum scene, um, and this ties mm-hmm. into music. But I'll talk about music in a second. Yeah, um, where w- the reason why the shark coming up at that moment and and being kind of a jump scare works so well is because you're not expecting the shark. Because mm-hmm. so far, once again, the shark has been very like hidden and very like not shown like front on. And then on top of that, the music for the shark has always been present wherever the shark is there. And and it's it's a subconscious thing because like obviously when you've seen this movie a billion times, you really notice it because when the kids have the tr- the uh, cardboard uh, shark fin, um, the uh, the music doesn't play the entire time. The Jaws theme does not play during that entire sequence until we see the shark entering the estuary. So in the sequence with Brody, we've been taught by the music and by the film, by the actual cinematography, that the shark will not appear until we hear that music. Mm-hmm. In that scene, the shark doesn't appear, the music does not show up until after the, the scare. In fact, the music doesn't actually even really start playing until after... Uh, Brody starts backing away 
from the shark. So like even that expectation of the shark's music doesn't even really tie into it. And then for the rest of the movie, with with the way that it's filmed and the way that uh, the the way the music works, you do not know when that shark is actually going to pop out. You don't know when it's going to do something. You don't know the like I said with the yellow barrels earlier. They're given such slack with the rope with the yellow barrels that you do not know where the shark is. Like. It could be right under the barrels. It could be 20 feet out that way. It could be right under the boat and it's about to burst through the center of the boat. You know, like you don't know. And that's, that's something that this movie just does really well across the board is the building of tension. It just doesn't. Yeah. Uh, it, it just doesn't ever stop building tension. I would say. Uh, and that's, and that's phenomenal. That's amazing for a movie to be able to do that for two hours. <laughs> yeah. No, the movie's pacing is uh, is extremely good. And yeah, there's so many shots that like, even outside, of, like everything like really plays up like the feeling that you're supposed to have in that sequence. Um, you know, like there's multiple like, like scenes where it's like characters talking over each other, but each one plays like a very, very different role and very crucially like establishes like the first time it's happening, it's like in the family home. You know, and it's just like, it's like, you know, like, oh, I'm busy on the phone and mom's getting the kids ready, that kind of thing. The next time you have it, you have like, you know, these like powerful voices telling Brody like, oh, it's not that much of a problem. Oh, everything's fine. You should, you know, like, and then you have them frantically on the phone trying to like call for help and you're cutting away from them, like frantically trying to communicate. There's something bad happening. We need help Mm -hmm. to all these beachgoers coming. It, It is again, like the first like you know 90 minutes of this movie are or 90 minutes first 90 percent of this movie are so well paced and so yeah. tight yeah. uh it's very yeah. very good and beautiful to look at uh like all mm-hmm. the night sequences and the underwater sequences uh we didn't talk about the 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 shooting stars you can see in one of the night shots oh which yeah really cool it's, yeah so okay so i looked into it more and it's actually kind of a notorious like no one knows the truth because oh, everyone yeah. in the production says that it, they're real or at least one of them is real. Yeah. But then everybody is like, no, that doesn't look right. That's going to be fake. <laughs> uh, so it's like, it is notorious for that. I, I oh. thought it was uh, definitively decided on, but uh, apparently it's not, oh, okay. <laughs> um, but it is still, it is still interesting. Cause uh, if it is real, that's just like awesome. Like, Wild. What, know, are the, yeah, yeah, what are the odds? Yeah. What, what, what Providence, you know, then again, they were out shooting for 159 days. So, that's you know, fair. <laughs> Um, uh, sound? But, uh, yeah, sound. Okay, sound. So, okay, so soundtrack is is where this obviously has to go. Yes, there's a couple of little sound things that I want to talk about, but Jesus Christ, it's it's John mm. Williams at his best. Yeah. Uh, I, I also think it, weirdly enough, this is like honestly one of his most underrated soundtracks, not for the Jaws theme, but for the rest of it. Yeah, there's uh, a lot yeah. of like really good. Advi- I think some of it doesn't quite match tonally because it feels very like high sea adventure. And then like the second time they launch barrels into like, mm-hmm. you know, Bruce, like this is no longer a happy, fun like it's got like woodwinds playing and it's like yeah. the same yeah. as the but first time they and it's like i think that he did that on purpose no though, john this they, is not appropriate <laughs> i think he did that on purpose though because i think he was trying to play with that that expectation because even though yeah it's a little dark at that point like we're still supposed to think like yeah but they've got three barrels in them this time like yeah. this is gonna yeah, they're work, our heroes you know? they're is... gonna succeed they're gonna <laughs> triumph over this but immediately right after shark. that 
it transitions back into the, like the not the actual donut yeah dun, dun, but, but the, it, it transitions into yeah. the like mysterious like oh my god and that's the one of the great lines in the movie like uh where you know they turn to quint and they say you know ask him if he's ever seen a shark do this before and he's yeah. like no <laughs> uh, like it's the first time you really feel that quint is like terrified like, like he's uh-oh. like yeah what is happening yeah um but yeah, it's, I think that's I think that's one of the brilliance of this John Williams score is that it really has, it has so many tones to it. Like everybody just knows the main theme. Yeah. But like man, this whole like the the orca theme, like the adventure part of it, like the Amity Island ver- the theme, uh, is also very iconic to me. Um, it's just it's just a wonderful score all the way around. And once again, it plays with the expectations a lot, like I said, uh, and, and with Cameron's moment with the musical sting hitting at that exact moment that mm. you get that jump scare uh, mm. where it actually works with the jump scare instead of working against the jump scare. Yeah. Um, it's just phenomenal. Um, the the only so the only really sound design thing that I wanted to bring up is uh well two things one the shark roars obviously sharks yeah. don't roar over <laughs> it uh, <laughs> um, but one of the sharks roar is great because it's actually a reference to Duel if you've ever seen Duel when the when the truck drives off the cliff at the end on fire it makes a dinosaur roar oh, it's a yeah. Lost World the, uh, the, original lost, the, wow. the very very original. anyway. So like when it when it drives out the cliff, it it makes the, the that dinosaur roar. And Stephen, because he likes to put references to his old movies, but not be like big reference like Maurice yeah. now. Yeah. Uh, he slipped in that same roar when the shark is got its head blown off and it's sinking in the water. That same <laughs> dinosaur roar plays as it's sinking to the to the oh, bottom. Oh, that's pool. good. Uh, which is a very, it's like obviously it doesn't make any sense, but that's uh, a clever little little sound thing. Um, yeah, like I I see what you did there, Steve. Um, I got you, Steve. So before we really wrap it up, there is one last thing I wanted to talk about, which is uh, we kind of, I think Cameron said it, but uh, this is the first blockbuster. Like it is the movie that defined what a blockbuster is. Yeah. Um, So uh, as, as a reference to, uh, to what it is and how big of an impact it hit it is. And keep in mind, this is a 1970s money. So roughly because of all the delays and stuff like that, the movie had a $7 million budget, mm-hmm. uh, which in seventies money is a lot. Yeah. However, opening weekend in us and Canada, it made its money back. It made $7 million in its opening weekend in the 70s. Oh yeah. Um, and then it went on to gross, uh, 260 million, uh, in us and Canada and 471 million worldwide. Um, which is, insane for a 1970s movie that is if that was this money nowadays that's a billion dollar movie that's like a billion and a half probably actually with inflation um it's it's an insane amount of money it got an insane amount of people um you know we talked briefly about how this movie set that standard of being afraid of from the water for Mm -hmm. so many people for you know decades to come um uh, okay uh, actually the movie got itself got apes only uh, two years later, yeah. with uh, the uh, Dino De Laurentiis produced classic Orca. Oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah. So by the way, the equivalent is uh, 1.2 billion uh, at 2020 prices. Uh, wow. If that if this movie came out right uh, wow. last year or two years ago, um, which is which is insane. Um, 
And yes, so this 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 was blockbuster. This is why it's called blockbusters because literally it would be people lined around lined up around the blocks uh, to see this movie um, at theaters around the, the entire yeah. world. Yeah, um, and it's it's crazy, and it is it is a movie that is you know it, it keeps it is one movie that does keep coming back. Like there's always screenings of this movie. Uh, Austin is a great place to see this movie if you live in around the Austin area because they have their uh, yearly uh, Jaws on the Water uh, screenings where you get to go sit in a in an inner tube on the uh, on a little little lake and watch the movie. Yeah. Uh, and they also do uh, screenings at a uh, Deep Eddy, which yep. is a pool. If yep. that makes you feel a little better. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, yeah, it's still, it's still pretty creepy. still pretty good. Uh, uh, people still see this movie all the time. It is actually getting an IMAX re-release, uh, this mm-hmm. summer, I believe in August. Um, so if you have not seen the movie or if you haven't seen it in a while and you are interested in rewatching it, uh, you could do no wrong than going to go back and see it in theaters again. Um, but, uh, yeah, um, I guess we're at final thoughts. Um, so yeah. I wonder what they're going to be. Yeah, I know. Right. I'll, I'll go, I'll do mine. Cause I haven't hidden mine. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's like I said, favorite movie of all time. No, no question. Uh, if I was stranded on a deserted Island, this is the movie I'd want to have with me. I can watch this movie. I, I, I could watch this movie a billion times and never get tired of it. I, I, I love this movie to death. I love everything about it. I love every like, every scene, every line of dialogue. It's, it is one of those few movies that I can probably quote from, you know, beginning to end. Mm. Um, I, I, I just, this movie is just like the epitome of what filmmaking is supposed to be about. Um, and like, I, I know that's, you know, some people argue that it's, you know, it's just entertainment sake. Like some, there's a lot of, there's some, there were some criticisms around when this movie came out talking about how, you know, there's not a single person of color. There's not, uh, the the female roles in this movie are not very strong. Um, yeah. I mean, it was 1975, so we were kind of right on the cusp of that becoming like a thing in Hollywood, where people would focus more on those like mm-hmm. making inclusivity roles. Um, so it's it is on that cusp, and I, I I'm not saying those like concerns aren't founded. I'm just saying like the revolution for that stuff had not happened yet. Yeah. Um, so, uh, but anyway, I I still. Uh, it's it was it's always been a funny movie to me because like with how big of a Godzilla fan I am, you know, of course, most of my friends would always be like, oh, what's your favorite movie? It's going to be a Godzilla movie. And I would always surprise them by saying Jaws <laughs> like to them. They're like, what Jaws? Why Jaws? And I'm like, have, see? have you see, have you seen have it? it? <laughs> <laughs> have it. Look, I don't it. understand. Yeah. Uh, I love showing this movie to to people that have never seen it before, because mm. I think it's always an interesting experience having people realize that, like. Yeah, they know some of the tropes of this movie, but they really don't know what this movie is actually about. Yeah. Uh, um, uh, and it's it's just a, always a great experience for me. And like I said, I, I really enjoy this movie. Um, I, I'm so happy we were able to cover it on the podcast finally. Uh, and yes, we probably will cover the sequels at some point. Uh, <laughs> down the oh, line. we'll get there. <laughs> I'll, if I have to clamp my teeth around Kyle's ankles and ah. drag him into the depths of these ah. films, we're getting there. <laughs> It's a very Cameron move. Um, yeah, this was my, my go-to first time watching this movie all the way through. Uh, and it was really good. It lived up to the hype 100%. I think it's a it's a very fun, like it's not just a creature feature. It's a very fun drama. It's very human. 
it, it it is you know i mean spielberg at his best as always uh you know i've watched ready player one recently and that's so like <laughs> sad and empty and like oh, yeah. just a shell of what like you know i know he's capable of yeah and watching this and like you know i mean i think my favorite movie might be hook i don't know for sure i'd have to like yeah. circle back around on that one but like it, you know it, it just it feels so good to watch because it's just like wow what a movie, you know, I feel what I, a movie. I, it's like, you know, it's just like it's such a cinematic experience. And like it absolutely like, yeah, it makes sense that this was the first blockbuster. Um, and uh, I mean, like, you know, it, along with uh, several other movies have made me, you know, kind of like long for the days of like cinema, you know, <laughs> Where they yeah. were doing beautiful and interesting things with telling a story through the the medium, you know, captured on film, as opposed to just like using the camera to tell a story, you know, or like having the camera capture a story. Uh, it, it's a it's a very very good movie. I think all the acting is great. I think all the cinematography is great. Sounds great. It's all great. It's uh, it's great. <laughs> it's also, it's also it's so great. Very white. So you know what? I would say this is a great white movie. You know? Ah. <laughs> uh sorry, I was I was picking up on Kyle's uh, uh noted is. criticism. Bad joke. Watch the movie, it's super good. Ten on ten, two thumbs up. That's a <laughs> that's a joke I can really sink my teeth into. <laughs> hey. We got them all at the end, uh, ladies and gentlemen. We got them. I got a million of them. Listen, I got a whole bunch of them. <laughs> Like, uh, like, uh, uh, come on. Uh, what, uh, come on. what am I? The, the ampullae of Lorenzini? <laughs> oh! the faint electrical impulses of these puns in the water. What, come on. <laughs> wow. Come Zing, on, zinger alert. Damn. Uh, I'm lighting everybody up. I'm busting everybody's chops. Um, what are we talking about? Oh, yeah. So, oh. What are we talking about? What's your what's your final thoughts, Cameron? <laughs> I I mean, like, what was there to say about it? It's 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 Jaws. Yeah, you know, it's, <laughs> there you go. Um, the last time I watched it, I, I mean, but last time before watching it for this yep. show, this very show, ah, um, this... was right after a screening that I got to see of the Creature from the Black Lagoon in three D. Oh. Uh. <laughs> Hosted by Mallory O'Mara. Nice. Uh, Mallory. Oh, Oh. hold on. Uh Uh-oh. Hold on. Got to Google it real fast. Otherwise, people will think that you don't know the name of the person. This is crucial to the bit because her name is a shark pun. Her name is. Man, I wish it was. (laughs) I don't think I can get there. Oh man. Anyway, so she uh she wrote a book, uh, Lady from the Black Lagoon, which is all about Millicent Patrick, the lady yep, yep. who designed the creature from the Black Lagoon suit, which oh. is very, 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 very good book. Highly recommend it. Go pick it up. Anyway, so um and just kind of comparing the two, like the way that it uses the theme to announce the creature 
yeah. is reminiscent, although uh, Black Lagoon does it to a hilarious degree because literally every time you see that thing's hands, it, it goes bam, bam, bam. I found a supercut on YouTube or somewhere that was just <laughs> just that. It's very similar to, I mean, to honestly, to how you know monster, like literally monster movies, Godzilla, Kong. Uh, yeah. even like they, they, they announced all their got that they all have that thing to herald their arrival. And I think yep. it's just, uh, the incredibly clever move to have the monster, to have the shark sneak up on us by kind of betraying our trust. <laughs> like Steven, you told us that we'd you hear the song. Hear the we theme. saw the sh- <laughs> You told me that. And I think that, you know, those kind of filmmaking decisions, whether they were made, for artistic reasons or for practical reasons, just made just such a such a hell of a movie. <laughs> it's just it's so it's so fun and interesting and beautiful to look at. And yeah, it's just it's one of the few movies that still scares me. Yeah. I mean it's just it's it's just it's really, really good, you guys. <laughs> um so before we before we fully wrap up, I did want to just mention a couple of things. Uh, if you are interested in more of the story of the making of this movie, which honestly, I highly recommend looking into because we barely scratched the surface. There's a lot uh, in, in this. Uh, so there's several books uh, that are uh, about the about the about the making of this movie. Uh, one that I just got my hands on for Christmas last year is called called. Uh, called jaws memories oh. uh, which i'm still reading through and in that uh it's actually interesting because it's told more from the perspective of the people who lived in martha's vineyard and how they experienced the making of the movie from their side um there's also uh an amazing documentary called the shark is still working uh that is literally on youtube for free that you can watch at any time um there's also a really amazing making of for jaws that came out uh with uh, the most recent uh re-release of the film on blu-ray and 4k um that i would recommend there's also another book which i'm skipping out on the title that was actually written by i believe one of the producers of the film um that uh they uh they 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 like fully gone into like the I think it's oh the Jaws log, uh it's it's by the writer of the book, uh, the writer Jaws of the log. movie <laughs> right writer of the movie not the writer of the book not by Peter Davidge it's by uh Carl Gottlieb, um and it's like very in depth on the making of the film, um it's this is one of those movies that I I, I talked about this a while ago with PJKK, uh where you know like we don't, we don't get movies that have really in-depth making ofs anymore. Like when we get like a Blu-ray of Jaws, uh, Jurassic World Dominion, it's going to have like the little featurettes that were on YouTube leading up to the movie's release. Like there's not going to be like an actual documentary about the making of Dominion. This is, this is a movie that has very extensive detail oriented, like making ofs for this movie that are almost just as fascinating as the movie itself. Because once again, a lot went wrong with this movie. Uh, <laughs> and it ended up being one of the most oh successful movies of all time. So uh, kind of a kind of a little inspiring in that same way. Um, so uh, moving to what we've got coming next. So keeping with our nautical theme, Ooh. our next uh, uh, next uh, review or episode will be on The Sea Beast coming Ooh. from Netflix mm-hmm. on July 8th. 
uh, it is getting really good early reviews. Uh, unfortunately, it's not showing in any theaters around me. It is showing in some theaters around the country, but not very many. Um, but uh, it's coming straight to Netflix, uh, so you can watch it from home. We will be uh, watching it and reviewing it as quickly as we can uh, next weekend and getting that episode out uh, that same weekend as well as a special report. Yep, yep. Then Rob has something coming the next week. Yeah. Uh, I, in my ever-growing quest to find uh, some theme-appropriate Signals episodes, I found an episode of uh, uh, Aladdin, the animated series, where he fights a giant shark. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, really? Well, a land shark, and it's got a magical, magical gold and gem encrusted belly. Uh, Not to be confused oh. with the 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 uh, SNL skit land shark. Land shark, no, very different. Very different. Uh, <laughs> and I'll be I'll be recover, uh, covering that with uh, Kaiju Kim. Looking forward to hanging out with her. Uh, yeah, should be fun. Good stuff. And then I and will then... be out of town for like from the thirteenth to the nineteenth. Which is fine, uh, so because then we'll be back. Yeah. <laughs> After Rob gets back, we will be back around to cover Deep Blue Sea as our final Finally. Movie of the month. Uh, My it's moment be a is lot here. Uh, it is definitely another influential shark movie, more so than most people would think, actually. Oh, uh, yeah. And and is a great pairing with Jaws because Deep Blue Sea takes a lot of yeah. uh, stuff from Jaws and uses it in different ways. Uh, including some of the score stuff that uh, we talked about in this episode that most people don't talk about. So I'm very excited to get to that. Um, And we have some, we have something special for all of you that will be coming out some point between now and deep blue sea, but we're not (laughs) sure when it's going to release, but it's going to happen. We have it ready. It's going to, the more, we just haven't haven't done it yet. I have to edit it. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to happen. It's fine. Um, but no, it's going to be great. Uh, it's it's going to build up to Deep Blue Sea really, really well. Uh, okay. If you know Deep Blue Sea, I'm sure you can probably guess exactly what it's going to be. Or maybe you won't be able to guess at all. We'll find out. Uh, anyway, uh, so uh, moving into our uh, bumps. So thank you to all of our patrons for supporting the cast and, of course, making all of this happen. Uh, so thank you to Behind the Mess 1313, C. Stafford, Caleb Talley, David Noyes, uh, David, Joe Jira, Jonathan Bibikiner, Joshua. Melissa Carter, William Kelly, Alex Yarborough, D- Big Odillo, Cool Man Cottenham, Uis, Nugget Coon, Smunk Hollow, William Kish, Jack Horowitz, Nicholas Whale, Taylor Ward, Chris Britt, Eric Schuster, Josh Willinch, and Oda. Thank you guys so, so much. Uh, Oda, also thank you for sending us the link to the video as well. Someone beat you to it in the Discord, uh, but uh, but uh, I do appreciate getting the, uh, hey. the message, Patreon. Um, so, uh, Cameron, what's a thirteen seventy five for Jaws? Yeah, thirteen seventy five for Jaws, guys. I've decided I'm finally going to do it, and I am going to start moving towards being a more authentic version of myself. Okay. So, your contribution of thirteen seventy five is going to go into a small fund for both the travel and operating expenses of me to find a surgeon willing to and plant me with shark parts. Mm, okay. <laughs> and make me a, a shark. A street person. shark. Street shark? A street shark. Will. Yeah. yeah, sure. You know, if you want to, if you want to, if you got to put a label on it. Yeah, well, I do. <laughs> I will be a shark in the streets. I will be jawsome. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'll bite my way through the ground as I swim through it. It's not a very practical method of transportation, no. but I'm excited for the opportunities it's going to bring. Yeah. You <laughs> yeah. know what? And that's beautiful, you know? 
Yeah. I'm uh, also going to get real into rollerblading, which is this also going to go towards. Yeah. Hey, you know what? You know, that's good hat, Harry. <laughs> good hat. Become good hat. a shark. It's good hat. <laughs> Harry. Some would say your hat might be like a shark's fin. Uh, mm, no, I don't know what that's in reference See, to. See, that's the thing. I won't have to do that anymore. I won't have to wear my shark fin hat because I'll have an actual shark fin oh, protruding from true. the top of my head. Yeah. True. Uh, so your shark's fin will be like a hat. I don't mm-hmm. get it. And the other way around. One. You lost me again. Uh, I don't understand. Uh, my shark's hat um, will be like a fin. Mm-hmm. So, uh, on t- uh, search for so Tokyo lives. If you want to sort uh, support the cast on Patreon, we really do appreciate it. Uh, Facebook search Tokyo lives to find us at Tokyo lives cast is our Twitter handle. We are very active on there. Share all sorts of stuff, including those Ultraman trailers uh, for that uh, game that's coming out. If you are interested and you have not seen the trailer, uh, check those out there. Um, uh, Tokyo lives podcast.com is our website. Uh, and uh, keep an eye on that website because if we get something from Comic Con, I'm gonna do something on com- uh, what we get from Comic Con. But hey. I don't know if we'll get anything visually from Comic Con. It'll probably just be announcements. Uh, yeah, okay. But anyway, <laughs> uh, so thank you guys for listening to us talk about Jaws or for me to ramble about the behind the scenes stuff for two hours. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it makes me so happy, it. you guys. It made me so happy. I, I really <laughs> wanted to talk about this film for a long time. And uh, we'll see you guys for uh, Sea Beast next week. Bye, everybody. Bye, everyone. Here's how it goes. Here's how okay, it goes. Okay, okay. I'm going to start us off. Yeah. And then when I go, uh, I had a little drink about an hour ago and it went right to my head. That's when you're, you guys are going to jump in. You can always hear me singing along. So me the way to go home. So it's so, so that's the first verse. Okay. Okay. Uh, and then we're going to go back to the beginning and it's going to be a little up tempo. So it's going to be, show me the way to go home, bump, bump. I'm tired and I want to go to bed. <laughs> All right. That was good. Damn it. Team. <laughs> great. I think we got it. All right. Now I'll, I'll try. Can we try it? Can I'll we try. try it? I'll try. I feel like yeah. it's fitting because of how late and never tired everybody is. <laughs> yeah. So okay. yeah, I, I foresaw this. <laughs> That's why you chose to do it at the end. Uh, All right. I've got plans. Yeah. All right. Show me the way to go home. I'm tired and I want to go to bed. I had a little drink about an hour ago and it went right to my head. Wherever Wherever I may roam, roam, by land or or sea or foam, you can always hear me sing. sing. Show me the way to go home. Beautiful. I'm tired and I want to go to bed. I had a little drink about an hour ago and it went right to my head. Wherever I may roam, by land or sea or foam, you can. 
always, always hear me sing, sing a song. <laughs> Rob, will you switch up? Yeah. You can always go home. Nailed it. Uh,